tuned in to the cold hard truth. Cayman's number one hard-hitting live podcast show, where we feature some straightforward conversations on political, social, and celebrity news, and all things happening in the Cayman Islands and around the world. This show was created to give the people a voice and a means of being involved and informed without any filters. Sometimes it gets crazy, but we always keep it real. We bring you the tea piping hot so grab your favorite beverage and join the conversation via whatsapp at 324-1612 email tips at caymanmorrowroad.com now here's your host sandy hill broadcasting live from the beautiful cayman islands Metrics that government traditionally relies on to measure the success of the country are not necessarily a true indicator of what most people feel in their everyday lives. Using GDP per capita as a measurement of prosperity, for example, does not accurately reflect what you, me, and the majority of the population feel as it relates to satisfaction with our overall quality of life. It can also obscure the persistent and worsening issue of income inequality. Broadly, issues such as health, education, employment, the environment, personal security, work-life balance, and traffic all contribute to our perception of whether we are leading happy, prosperous lives. So I would use other methods in addition to the usual metrics to measure the perception of success. 
Methods that give us a better sense of the quality of life as perceived by residents like you and me. Then I would work to develop policies and initiatives that are aimed at achieving desired outcomes, including better income equality, which contributes overall to a better quality of life for all citizens. Okay, good morning, good morning, everyone. How are you guys? Hope that you are well. Buenos dias. I'm sure we have a lot of um, listeners tuned into the program who are very, very interested in updates regarding the Cuban nationals. So, of course, we have a lot of information to give you guys in regards to that. Um, let's say good morning first to Anthony. Good morning to Felicia. Good morning, Anne-Marie. Andy is watching. Jessica tuned in. Siobhan's got it locked. Curlew, good morning to you. Karen is here. Sanya is here. Miss Janet is here. Alice, Gladys, Lynette, lots of regulars. Olivia, Charm, Larry from New York. Esperanza is here. Good morning, my dear. Miss Valdine, Richie Rich is here. Sonia, good morning. Buenos dias, si mi amor. We're going to get into it. Um, wow, there's so much to tell you guys. Hello, Lenny. Hello, Leanne, Lily, all those L names coming in all at one time. Good morning, Eden. Hello, Anne-Marie. Oh, sorry, Miss Anne, sorry. Uh, Madeline is here. Thank you so much, Madeline. Big shout out to Madeline. She was uh, translating for us yesterday during um, a lot of the, the live streams. Um, so we're gonna give you guys some exclusive details in terms of the situation with the Cuban nationals. You guys are not gonna believe. This is, this is legit something that you would take out of uh, a movie. Like somebody said yesterday, this is better than NCIS. <laughs> I mean, honestly. But thank you, Madeline. Madeline was kind enough to translate for us yesterday in terms of what was being said. And someone misunderstood what Madeline was doing, I think. So she was saying, she said translation, and then she would say, you know, um, what they said. And then I think the person who was reading it didn't see where it said translation. So they were constantly thinking that she was saying those things. So she took a little bit of flack for that. And then other people were like, no, you're misunderstanding what's going on here. But we really appreciate it because even those of us who knew, know a few words here and there, that they were speaking so fast that um, I just was like catching one or two words out of every 20 <laughs> sort of thing. So Madeline really broke it down for us. So we'll be discussing that. Elizabeth, good morning. Good morning to Miss Donna. Uh, Jamie is here. Miss Sue is also locked in. Uh, Brita is also here for it. Thank you guys so much for the greetings. Uh, Ter Ter Tercy, is that how you pronounce your name? Or is it Therese? Um, <laughs> good morning to you. Lysandra is here. Rita. Gria, buenos dias. Wendy. Buenos dias. Um, so yes, a lot of you are here for the tea. So let us get straight into it. 
so that we can um, give it to you hot because it is piping hot today. So first of all, uh, two key things, and then we're going to back up. So last night we reported that by eight o'clock or shortly before that, um, they were doing another live stream, Buenos Dias, Nielsen and Beverly tuned in from Miami. Emma's here. Um, so yeah, we reported that they were looking, that the situation was kind of getting worse for the Cubans, right? Um, so again, they're still on the Panamanian boat and last night they were running out of credit because they've been doing a lot of live streaming. I was saying yesterday, my God, I don't even know how it's possible for them to um, have so much credit. You know, they have a lot of credit on the phone and they've been having pretty decent Wi-Fi signal. I wonder who they're hooked up with. They must have, I don't know, Flow or Digicel because whoever they have, they need to do some marketing. Uh, when in distress, call us. We will, <laughs> you know, even out on a boat, we still got you covered. So... Um, they were asking for credit for the phones. And also they were saying that they needed, um, you know, assistance for the baby. So apparently the baby started to run a fever of a hundred and what did we say in the story? It's on, it's on CMR's page. Let me just say, I think it's 102.2 or something like that. So the baby was burning up with a fever. Now, as you guys know, any of you that have children, you would know that um, a fever for a child is nothing to joke about. And this little baby is so cute. Let me show you guys uh, the story here on our website. So here's the family. Look at the little thing. Oh, she's such a little sweetheart. So there's the baby. She's running a fever of 102.2 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, any sort of a fever for a young child can cause some serious health issues long-term, including they can start going into um, seizures. And that, of course, can give them brain damage. And eventually, you know, that could very well um, have some permanent results for the child. So everybody knows that if you have a child who has a fever, you need to bring it down as quickly as possible, you know? So whatever it takes, you, you strip them down, you give them medication. Um, it's really nothing to, to mess around with because the, the body is not able to regulate its own temperature. And I kind of know this because, you know, you guys know I have a preemie. I had a preemie and she's still tiny, but. Um, and one of the things in the NICU that they're always most concerned about is maintaining the body temperature of the children. So they can't have the babies too cold and they can't have them too hot. It has to be uh, just right. So, you know, they monitor their temperatures extremely carefully. If they have to take clothing off, if they have to strip them down, if they have to bundle them up, you know, they're in an incubator because they can control that environment. So this poor little baby, she is absolutely beautiful. And let me show you guys something. Look at this video. This breaks my heart. Um, hold on one second. I want to do it with audio. So hold on one second. This really breaks my heart as a, as a parent. Um, and it's just anyone, I think, because at the end of the day, this child doesn't even know what's going on. 
she's not part of this situation. She hasn't asked to be here and look at what she's having to go through. Uh-oh, is my video going to play? All right. Let me see if we can go back to it from his page. Uh-huh. All right, I don't think you're going to be able to... Let me see if you can hear this video. Let me turn up the volume. Is it not working anymore? Mm -mm. Hmm. It looks like his videos are not working. Well, I don't know. It, it just says one second and then it doesn't work. Uh, unfortunately, we're able to match the entered phone number to a carrier. Ah, okay. Have they locked off his phone? Government blocked his phone number. <gasps> Ay, caramba. Do you guys see this? I'm not able to... Uh, let me just increase the size here. So I'm not even able to get his videos. They just say like now playing, but it says like one second out of zero. And then there's nothing there. <gasps> what government boy, they getting slick. So all the, all of the videos, but you see everybody here is burning up and hot in this video, but it looks like the last couple ones, um, you can't even get access to. Well, one of these was of the baby. Wow, this is crazy. Um, hmm. I actually, you know, the strange thing is, is I had it on the computer, but for some reason it wouldn't allow me to play it even last night from the computer. It kept saying something about the file type. Um, but at least here it says it's a 15 second video. I'm gonna have my my web guy see if he can do anything about it. So they've actually blocked his number. Uh, uh, what a mess. Okay. Well, there's that. Um, uh-huh. Okay. Wow. Well, uh, you can't see the video, but the baby was basically burning up. And she was fanning the baby and um, trying to see, you know, what she could do in terms of bringing the baby's temperature down. So let me see. Somebody's sending me something else. Let me see if this one works. Uh, this is an old one. So let me see. Um, so anyway, the baby was running at a temperature. And at first they said... Uh, you know, the authorities said, do you need any help? And, um, oh my God, this poor baby. Oh my God. 55 minutes ago. Look at the baby. Oh my God. I cannot. Oh, this really, really breaks my heart folks. Oh my God, how could you as a mother even put your child in this situation? I have to tell you the truth. I would do anything in the world to protect my daughter, including just sucking it up. If I don't like the Cayman Islands government, 
I'm not going to put my child's life in jeopardy. This is the best place for your child to be right now in a friggin' pandemic. Like, why would you think even going to the U.S. or going to Mexico or Panama is better than Cayman? It's like, I don't think that these people are thinking logically. I don't know who's the driving force behind all of this. I'm going to talk about that here in a second. But this is an extremely horrible situation. And this poor baby... I'm just heartbroken by this. This is horrible. It's horrible. Um, let me just... Uh, I see this poor child, right? I want to show you this video. The child is burning up. Oh my God, this is really bad. Anyway, it's just unbelievable. Um, so they at first refused help from persons on board. Now, apparently there is a doctor on board the ship. And um, when they had originally said, do you want us to help you? They said, no. So when they said no, they were like, okay. I think what's happening is they keep thinking that they can use this child as a negotiating tool. And the boat captain, the owner of the boat, is saying, absolutely not. It ain't going to happen. And um, their refusal to allow, I'm just trying to see if I can capture this video. Their refusal to allow Their refusal to initially accept help, I think, really worked against them. So when the situation became more desperate, within a very short period of time, then the mother starts to really get worried, right? And I think I have a video here I can show you from 58 minutes ago. So then she started to realize... I think that this baby's in trouble. And uh, basically, if you don't get this baby help, this baby could very well die. And they they kept saying yesterday, you remember this, they kept saying anything happens to the baby or us, this is going to be in the hands of the Cayman Islands government. Let me be very, very uh, clear right now. This is no on nobody's shoulders but you guys on that boat. Put everything else aside. You have made all of the decisions that have led up to this point. You've had every opportunity to come off of the boat. You've had every opportunity to surrender. And the fact that you haven't done that, and then you wanna throw it in the face of the government, the authorities, that whatever happens here, you're gonna take responsibility for it. Let me tell you what, you guys are gonna have a rude awakening. 
This is where now the Cayman Islands government has a reputation for being a little bit too soft. Because if this was the U.S., if this was Cuba, I mean, we don't want to compare ourselves to Cuba. So let's just stick with the U.S., for example. They would have stormed that boat yesterday and taken them all by force. And if it meant, go back to Waco, Texas, or any other incident where people are just acting the fool, they will definitely shoot and kill you. Now, I'm not saying that that's the right thing to do. What I'm saying is apparently the Cayman Islands government has a reputation for being so incredibly soft that any situation that we're faced with, people think that we're going to just roll over. So they need to end this, and I'm going to give you some reasons why this needs to end. Number one, the first reason is for the health of this child. So have a look at this video that was posted an hour ago uh, with the baby. So let me just share this screen here. Here we go. Okay, so this is the baby now, and this is her situation. What the hell is going on here, folks? I mean, I just don't understand this. I get that you're upset about what they've been doing here to you. You haven't been able to work and blah, blah, blah. But this is your child. Like, what are you doing? Why would you even go on a boat trying to escape, right, with your child? They were not in a good condition when they were picked up 50 miles out. If that boat didn't stop and pick them up, they probably would have all perished, including this baby. It's like people are not thinking logically. Uh, they have this pipe dream of getting to America, not even knowing if America will be taking them. The U.S., I mean, they have a, what is it, wet foot, dry foot policy or whatever. You can't just be telling a boat captain from Panama to drive you up to uh, Miami Beach and let you off. And the Americans are going to be like, come on in, honey. It's just unbelievable what they have processed in their heads because none of it makes any logical sense. And you see the, the desperation, even in her body language, right? And I don't know um, if the desperation, thank you so much, uh, Zonoya, for the compliment. I don't know if the desperation is, I'm hoping now that as a mother, your desperation for the safety of your child has kicked in. And that is what is now motivating your movements. But do not use this child as a ploy to try to get what you want. So here is what we know. Um, the situation was deteriorating last night. They were begging the authorities then on the boat to let them out. Last night, when that story went up about midnight, the authorities were saying no, that the door would be open at 6 o'clock this morning. But I think they began to realize as well that the child was in a lot of trouble. So um, they decided she was negotiating with them again negotiating who listen if my child's life is on the line and my child is in danger i'm not going to be negotiating well if i bring out my child you're not going to arrest me the police are not going to take me to police custody at this point do you think that i care i would be like just save my child i don't care lock me up do whatever you got to do 
just get me out of here and save my baby. No, up until the 12th hour last night, she is still negotiating. She is still, right, telling the police, authorities, well, I'm only going to come out with the child if you don't charge me. This shows you what these people are thinking. And that's just wrong. At that point, you shouldn't, you're going to get charged with something and you shouldn't even worry about it. You should be worried about the safety of your own child. Anyway, I woke up this morning. They have allowed her and the child to come off and they have been taken to the hospital. That's what we know right now. Now that the child is off of the ship, you know things are going to pop off today, folks. This is only a question of when. And if they've already cut their phones, which it looks like they have, and I was going to see because a lot of them were calling me yesterday, right? So if they've already cut all of their phones, what I would suggest to them, if they have any sense at all, come off the boat peacefully. You're only endangering your own safety, your own life, and the life of other people. Now, let me tell you some information that I have here that you will want to be very, very conscious of. Um, you will want to be aware of the fact that these people, it is being alleged, are not as innocent as we would want to think. And here's the information that I received yesterday from very connected sources, okay? Uh, Madeline says they're no longer on board. Yep, that's correct. Um, so here, here's what we know, right? This is what is being alleged. And of course, I'm not there, but my sources are extremely good. And uh, this is what we know. There are 12 Filipino crew members on board this Panamanian ship. Those crew members have become afraid for their own lives. Number one, they are essentially outnumbered. I mean, we won't count the baby. Um, but 12 to 12, but you've got uh, people who are being very, very aggressive. The crew members felt like essentially they were being outnumbered and outwitted up to a point. Let me tell you why. This is what the Panamanian crew members are actually saying. They have shared. Now, the, the person who owns the boat, you know how we keep asking, why has the... Um, Why has the CIA government insisted on taking these people back? Because all of us at this point are like, you know, take them away, like send them, let them go wherever the heck they want. It seems like we didn't have a choice. The owner of the vessel contacted, once they picked them up and they said, yeah, you know, we were coming from the Cayman Islands, whatever. The owner of that vessel contacted the Cayman Islands authorities and said, you need to take them. They're not traveling with us. Our crew does not feel safe with these guys on board. So the best that we can do 
They were 50 miles out. We will bring them back to you and they're your problem. So that appears to be the reason why we um, are going to have to take them back. Now, they have tried to give them back to us and obviously they are refusing. The other thing that is of interest is that they have actually been threatening the officers. Apparently one of the crew, um, at least one of the crew is bilingual and he does speak, maybe trilingual, he does speak Spanish. And he actually overheard them talking about how they intended to overpower the crew on board. Listen to me very carefully. They have backpacks, and in those backpacks, they are alleged to have cordless drill and other things. And then they were threatening the captain and two other crew members. Crew members claim to the Cayman authorities that they overheard them when they went into this room. At first, the door, by the way, was actually wide open. So they went into this room and crew members overheard them saying that they were going to take a pillowcase and wrap it, I guess, around their hands or whatever and beat the child. Listen to what the allegation is. This is the crew. I can't, I wasn't there. So I'm going to give it to you as good as I got it. That they were going to beat the child and then demand medical attention for the child, saying that the child is injured. And when they came in to render medical assistance, they would then overpower the crew. This is what is being alleged. So you can imagine if you're the Cayman authorities and on board, you know, the Panamanian ca captain and his crew, 13 men, 12 Filipino crew, are saying these things to you. I don't actually know if the captain is Panamanian or if he's also Filipino, but the boat is Panamanian and it's flying under the Panamanian flag. So um, they are very, very concerned. And that is when they proceeded to lock the door. So the door has been locked from the outside, but they have explained that this is why they have done it because they overheard the crew through one of the windows. Um, they overheard that, not the crew, sorry, they overheard the uh, migrants and stuff having this discussion about how they could overpower the um, people on the boat and basically commandeer the boat. Um, the other thing of interest is so they were fine. They were actually found 59 miles out from us on the boat. I know yesterday we were saying that this boat actually has um, petroleum. Normally that's what she carries, right? Apparently she has iron ore and some sort of iron something else on it, which are very explosive items to have on a vessel. So not only is it dangerous and explosive, but they have to constantly be testing for the safety 
of those on board, they have to constantly be testing the air quality on the vessel. They're unable at this time to test the air quality of the vessel because the persons who are on board, the Cuban migrants are in the room that has all of the equipment for the testing of the air quality. So they're creating a situation, not only that is dangerous for themselves, but is dangerous for everybody on that vessel now. All, what is that? Uh, 30, almost 30 lives. So they're not able to test the air quality. The captain is beyond livid. There's also significant financial loss. He has, it is being estimated, lost so much money. One person said, I'm reliably informed that the ship lost its place in the Panama Canal, which carries a fee of $250,000. Who will be made to pay for that? Javier is spending what must be over a million dollars right now in fuel and resources in the search and rescue and maintenance. So there's also a significant financial cost that is now being raked up. So let me just see. Um, somebody else sent me another message. One second. Let me just try to explain this in terms of the fees. So you know how you guys might know this about airlines, but you know, they all carry like if, if you're late, um, you can be fined significantly. If you don't follow certain FAA procedures or whatever, they find you. So money talks, right? So this other person said, to explain why a ship in this situation will lose money, the above is a real-time map, and they show all of the maps, uh, all of the maps, all of the ships going into the Panama Canal, right? And how they are lined up. So you have a schedule. So if you're coming from a particular location and you're going to be utilizing the Panama Canal, they say, right, so based on where you are, you know, it will take you three days to get here. And by the time you get here, we're going to schedule you to come through the canal. So let me show you. I mean, listen, the canal is a huge um, project, as many of you guys will know. Uh, I think there was a phase two a couple years ago that was completed. But here is, you know, the maps, as you can see, of all of the ships lined up. You see the ship names, their positioning, uh, their schedule. So I guess within reason, they give you a little bit of leeway because things happen on the high seas, but they don't give you a whole lot before you start incurring fees. So look at how tight every one of those um, little, look like little uh, miniature ships, basically. They are all like a real-time tracking map of what's happening in the Panama Canal. They have different colors. I don't know what the green means from the blue or whatever, but they seem to be color-coded. 
Maybe it's by different zones or areas of the canal. And then you can see how they're lined up to, to proceed through the actual canal. Everybody, I think, can see that. So this person explains it in layman's terms to say that the above is a real is real time and shows all of the ships that are waiting to discharge or transit the Panama Canal. Docking schedules are booked weeks, if not months ahead, and appointments to transit the Panama Canal can be booked and paid for well in advance. The squares above are vessels that are not moving, but in fact are waiting on their appointment to transit the canal. Right, so we saw the square, the one with the squares. Let me see which one we're looking at here. So this one has the squares, yes? All right, so that is the situation. Um, so those are the ones who are waiting. If you miss your appointment, you have to wait for days, if not weeks, for another opportunity. The transit fees are not cheap and are often forfeited for no-show. Companies have contracts that have specific delivery dates for delivery of cargo. If it is late, then demurrage fees, I think that's how that's pronounced, uh, begin to accrue, and some contracts have costs affixed on a daily basis, and some move to an hourly rate after a set amount of time. The character fees for ships of this size and type are more than what most people make in a lifetime. So it's not hard to see why the company stands to lose a lot of money. Oh yes, the color coding. So red are tankers, green are cargo and bulk carriers, and the blue is tugs or commercial vessels. So we learn something new every day. So they're color coded for a very specific reason. So folks, this is a very uh, dangerous situation. Financially, this company is losing a lot of money. And in fact, the boat captain has been overheard or he has made it very clear that despite what international maritime laws dictate of him, he will never make the mistake of picking anyone up again because now his crew has been endangered, their lives potentially. They have lost hundreds of thousands of dollars. Every day they're losing more and more money. And on top of that, he could po possibly even lose jobs because you know the ship owner is going to have to find a way to deal with the cost of all of this. And as someone has rightfully said, who is going to pay for this? Somebody is going to get sued. And it shouldn't be the Cayman Islands government. We haven't created the situation. However, legally, they may also say that we haven't put an end to it and we need to do so very quickly. So now we're going into day number two, a full day of this fiasco of them being on board. The governor's office stated yesterday, this is not a matter for him or the UK. This is a matter for the local 
enforcement agencies, including CBC and the police. We saw yesterday during our live stream, the police Marine unit was out there trying to provide assistance. There are officers still on board the vessel. They are armed officers with a view to if the situation gets out of hand, they will deal with it. But more importantly, they need to put an end to this as quickly as possible. And we were saying the same thing yesterday. So now the child and the mother, who's Dominican, and by the way, sources have said that she seems to be the driving force behind all of this. She instructs these men, this is what we're going to do. This is what you do, blah, blah, blah. I don't know what kind of power she has over anybody, but they seem to listen to her and she seems to be the leader of the situation is what is, is being told. Negotiators have tried. They're not making any headway. Now that that child is no longer on board, they don't have, they've already cut their uh, phone lines, obviously. And now that the phone lines have been cut, and as a matter of fact, I wanted to call just to see uh, what we get if we try to make a phone call. Um, so Erica, this is Erica's number. Let's see if she, if her phone rings. I don't know if they cut her phone too. Oh, her phone is ringing. Hello. Hello, Erica. Yes. Good morning. This is Sandy from Cayman Mall Road. How are you? Not good, Miss. What is going on? Tell me. You're we you're here and and the and and, and the jeep. We locked here. In the in the jeep. Yes. What jeep? You you're not at the hospital? No, no, no. So you you got off of the boat. Yes. Okay, and they took you where after you got off of the boat? She hung up the phone. So she's saying that she's stuck in a Jeep? What Jeep is that? Where's the baby? I wanted to ask, where's the baby? Let's try her again. Once you start asking questions, child, they don't like to be put to any questions. Okay, well, Erica doesn't want to answer. Let's see if we can get uh, Javier, the husband. Uh, what was his number again? Uh, we called him yesterday. So someone said it sounds like she's in the prison van. Well, let me just see if I can find Javier's number. Um, but I suspect... Javier, let me just see here. Um, mm -mm. What a mess. Hopefully the baby's at the hospital. Don't worry, I soon check some sources on that front to confirm where the baby's at. Uh, 
Okay. Yes, Mario, I do see you. I do see you. Um, let me just see here. Okay. All right, we're going to um, try to get some updates. We do have Mario Ebanks um, from West Bay West joining us this morning. We have Alric, who's also waiting to come on. And then later on, we're going to have Wayne Panton. So obviously, in the middle of all of this drama, people are still running a political campaign, and they're trying to reach you in terms of um, their messages. So let me just try one quick call to Javier and see if his phone is actually on. And then we'll have a quick chat for half an hour with Mario. And then, oh, well, they haven't cut it from getting incoming calls. Okay. All right. So um, I see some of you saying that they should be made to pay the cost. <laughs> Where are they going to get hundreds of thousands of dollars from? What a planka is right. Mario, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Good morning, Sandra. How are you doing? Good. Thank you. I know you're a busy uh, man. I am. I am. Um, but thanks for slotting me in. Your, your show is so popular that um since I came on the first week of the campaign after nomination, I couldn't get back on. But uh, that's that's a good that's a good problem, right? Um, yes. And um, I want to also, yeah, the, the schedule, Sandra, is, is brutal. I mean, when the government um, changed the election date from May twenty sixth, I think it was originally planned for to fourteenth uh, of April. It really put a lot of people in. In a, in a tailspin, but mm -hmm. uh, thank God, um, with God's grace, protection, wisdom, help, uh, we are we are making good progress and have a real good momentum going here in West Bay West. I, I want to thank my uh, my hardworking committee, a dynamic group of people who are working. They're not concerned about what they get out of it. They're concerned about building a better country. And so I want to thank them first off for their all their work. And all those people who are well-wishers, who've been calling me, who've been encouraging me, who've been praying for me and praying for our cause. And um, I also thank God for living in a country that is that is safe and that we have political freedom of expression. Although I, I heard the, my opponent make a statement on Mr. Um, for the Record show yesterday where he mentioned that... Um, there's a red circle in my forehead. Um, that was a very serious statement to make, and I haven't been taking it lightly. I'm considering what to do about it, as a matter of fact, because it is quite easy for irresponsible politicians who are power hungry to make those kinds of statements, and those can easily be interpreted as a direct threat against a political opponent. And so I, I want to say that our campaign is about a better vision, ideas, and solutions, not about well, this throwing would be Let me just clarify what you've just said. This would be the same McKeever Bush 
who actually contacted the police and complained that I shared a meme that had been in wide circulation about him. He then gets on the radio and makes a direct threat to you, Mario, and somehow in his brain, he doesn't think that that's a problem? I have been considering uh, over the last day what to do about it, what to say about it, and how to advance it. I am very concerned about it because I know how he operates and I know what happened in 2005 election campaign. But I, I need him to clarify what he means by that. And it, it's on the record yesterday's uh, show with uh, Mr. Orrit Connor when he came on, came on after I, I was on there. Uh, he came on, I think, between 9 and 9.15 and 10 or 9 and 10. And he made that statement towards the end of, of his um, broadcast, which um, was mostly just old stuff that he's just digging up. But he made that statement, and uh, it's quite serious. So, so all I'm saying is that we are all about solutions and looking at the future. But when people get desperate, and when people try to incite violence, and when people try to to get some of their um, supporters who may be under the influence of various products to incite them into things, I think it's very reckless, it's dangerous, it's undemocratic. And someone who is under a suspended prison sentence should not be going around inciting violence, harassing people on Facebook, harassing people on WhatsApp, harassing people in the neighborhoods, harassing people from his platform. He is on, the, on a suspended sentence, which means that if he breaches that, he could be hauled into prison. So he has to be very careful. And I, I don't want to get into this thing of lawsuits and all that, because I think we're going to win without that. Mm -hmm. We're going to win fair and square. But I want him to realize that he, if he's the father of the house, if he's mm -hmm. an honorable person, he must behave honorably. Because character is on the ballot this year. So is decency. So is ethics, so mm -hmm. is accountability. And if he's the father of the house and he has family and children as well, he got to stop inciting them and his family, some of his family members talking nonsense as well. Let's talk about the issues. That's what we're all about. That's what this country wants. That's what this mm -hmm. country deserves. And that's what we plan to offer. Sandra, I want to also, um, uh, in addition to thanking all those people in my committee, and I also want to, um, wish my, my friend, my boyhood friend from Elizabeth Street in West Bay, uh, where, we, where we grew up um, in the in the 70s, um, Troy Leacock. I want to wish him a happy birthday. Today is his birthday. I'm not sure how old he is. I'm not going to say how, how old he is, but uh, he's a young, dynamic man. And um, I want to wish him a happy birthday. And I also want to thank him very much for, for, for um, having the patience to put up with all the lies that have been told about him and some tax plan. Um, my opponent is trying to put that tax plan on me as well. And he, every time he opens his mouth, he talks about tax and my tax plan. I don't know where he's getting that from. Uh, I, I think he must have taken leave of his faculties because he's, he's not making a lot of sense in many things, including that. But let me just say about taxes, and I, this is the last time I'm going to say it because I'm sick and tired of repeating it and, 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 and following him down down this train. I, I, I'm operating as an eagle. An eagle takes his fight up to, the, up to the sky and he takes a snake and picks him up in that level. The snake can't operate in the sky. The snake only operates in the dirt and the mud. But my opponent talks about taxes. The only person to bring income tax proposal into the public domain in this country in recent times was him. 
when he was premier, he brought in, or leader of government business, it was called in, he brought in something called a community enhancement fee, which was income tax. He tried to bring it in. But when his own government, uh, the business community and the citizens railed against that and almost ate him alive, he had and had a big meeting up at the Lion Center. Uh-huh. Had the, you remember that? He yeah, had the, I, oh, I remember. He came to me then too, you know, to help him with this and try to pull him out of that mess. And I said, look, I'm sick and tired of writing letters for you, writing your speeches, writing your cabinet papers, writing your, your speeches in the house when I was working for him and afterwards and even before. This is your mess. You clean it up. He is the man that brought an income tax proposal to this country, not me, not Troy Leacock. But I thank Troy for speaking out and for putting some pressure on, on my opponent on this matter and threatening him with a, a complaint to the Standards and Public Life Committee or Commission because this man has to be stopped, not stopped by force, like how he likes to stop people, but stopped in his tracks by whatever other legal means is possible. So I, 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 know, I don't know what else you want to talk about. I have a few things, but I want to give you a little leeway in case there's anything that, um, that, you are, that you are concerned about that you might want my, my thoughts on. If not, we can, we can move on to something else. Um, I mean, I think we're all, maybe we're not really shocked, but we still, you know, he does somehow manage to shock us every time he does do something. Um, and I think that, you know, we did a story a few days ago about a lot of um, his traditional supporters like Ms. Velma finally speaking up and saying that this is a man who's never taken accountability for his behavior. And all he does is he sits back and says, well, I guess you should accept all of this bad behavior because look at all of the good that I've done. So one of the big things that we have hammered home um, throughout this campaign is that there has to be a greater level of um, accountability and uh, responsibility from the perspective of elected officials, of MPs. So they themselves need to be held to higher standard. And I dare say that, you know, they need to have higher expectations of themselves. And so a lot of the behavior that Mr. Bush is being accused of does not appear to be very stately um, or, or impressive. And after someone has been in office for near, you know, some 36 years, it's disappointing <clears throat> to see this sort of behavior. What do you bring to the table in that regard um, that we can expect if you are elected in West Bay West? As I said before, uh, Sandra, and as I said in the um, campaign um, trail and also in our manifesto and on our website, we have a website, um, Mario, the number four, wbw.com, that has a lot of information about me um, and, and a, a bio that is very detailed and a good outline of our manifesto as well. So, but what I bring, Sandra, I bring experience in the public and private sectors a good diverse uh, perspective on many different areas. I, I bring qualifications. I have a bachelor's degree in business administration with a, a, a major in international finance and marketing and a minor in economics and public affairs. I have a, um, a MBA as well, master business administration. And these are things that I did not buy or I did not get them added onto my name because of some kind of gift. I worked for those. And I also have a broad um, perspective in terms of service in the community. 
service and government boards, uh, service and in, in, in being past president of Rotary Club Central, past president of Junior Achievement, past president and founding member of the Overseas Students Association, past president and founding members of the HR Professional Society. I've been, I've been around, I've, I've tried to do my best wherever I went. I tried to, wherever I went, I tried to improve. And when I left, I tried to make sure that I've left the place better than where I found it. But I also bring, I think I bring character. I bring a Christian heritage. I bring a bold and courageous outlook. Uh, I, I'm a people's person, but I'm also one that will tell you frankly how I feel, and I will give you advice and help. I'm not about people coming and getting um, handouts, although people who need handouts will get handouts if, 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 it's, if it's justified. But I want to help people help themselves. You know what they say? You can, you can give someone a fish and they'll eat for a day, but you teach them to fish and they'll eat for a lifetime. That's the kind of philosophy that I like to, to um, project because that's how I was brought up. My, my parents taught us to be to work hard, to be honest, do an honest day's work, but an honest day's pay. And, and that's the kind of principles and values and beliefs that I bring to this campaign. And when, with God's help, I am elected on the 14th of April, which is next Wednesday. By this time next week, um, Thursday, after I have a few hours sleep, we're on the road, we're starting to work. And I have been in, my wife and I, have been living in Coral Gables in Northwest Point for the last 28 years. And after, before that, I grew up in West Bay. When we came here in 1968, I started out living and we started living in the rental properties because we had to start life from, from the bottom up again. And so we were in West Bay North, which is Boston Bay. Then we moved to Genevieve Bodden uh, Road, which is West Bay South now. Um, then we moved to uh, Mr. Spurgeon Ebanks um, rental properties where Foster's Food Fair is now in West Bay. There used to be some rental houses there. Then uh, my my father and, and all of us brothers and friends and stuff. We, uh, my father had us all working for years, helping build our house in Mount Pleasant, and that's West Bay Central. And um, after I got married, then we lived um, at, at a condo in Ocean Club for five years. My wife and I. And then we moved to back to West Bay, back to beautiful West Bay. And we're uh, in West Bay West now in Carl Gables for 28 years. And of that 28 years, I was the chairman of the Carl Gables Homeowners Association for 25 years, 25 years. And during that time, we have built and improved a wonderful neighborhood where people are safe, it's quiet. There's no derelict vehicles. There's no loud music. People get along well. <clears throat> People love each other. We have neighborhood functions. Children are safe. Children are protected. And those kinds of things that we have done in Carl Gables, the kinds of standards and improvements and quality of life that we want to bring to West Bay West, to West Bay in general, and the Cayman Islands in general. So I bring that perspective, Sandra. And I am putting myself out taking myself out of a, of a comfort zone, if you want to call it that, of, of, of full employment and, and a career to offer myself to the public. I say to people that uh, my wife is, is retired. She's um, still young, still beautiful, still energetic. And, and when you elect me, you also have a, 
a party of two because you get two almost for the price of one because she helps. But her job will be to help me and to take care of me so I can take care of the country. But um, I want to say something, and this is not a threat, or this is not being arrogant. I put myself out this time, again, after stepping aside for 16 years. People have a choice next Wednesday. I'm ready to serve, I'm able and willing, and I'm a servant leader. But if they make a mistake, and put the other guy in next Wednesday, then Mario Ebanks is not going on this road again as a candidate. Now, I'm not going to be walking away, but not as a candidate. So let's get it done. Let's get her done, as people are telling me. Let's get this thing done next week. Um, our, our opponent, my, my opponent is on the ropes. Mm-hmm. Well, let's ask... Um, and, that's why, and that's why he is so angry and yeah. have all this hate speech and telling all these lies. It's time for him to go after 36 years. Let's bring in a better way forward. And that is Mario Ebanks and our wonderful team around this country that we can work together and build a wonderful government as an alternative to what we have here now and what is also building up to take us forward. Thank you, um, Mario, so much for those comments. So we do have um, persons who are keeping us abreast of the situation with the Cubans. So uh, Mary says that some of the Cubans are now getting off the boat by the port. Thank you so much. I had heard that actually from another source on WhatsApp. There's a few people on here, Mario, who are wondering if you could address this situation um, about the Cubans. So do you have any thoughts on, I mean, obviously I know that you and I think your siblings were born in Cuban Isla Pines, if I remember correctly. Um, so you've got some, some connections to Cuba. Um, do you have any thoughts on what is happening with this situation here today? I do. And thank you very much. Um, this is a very difficult topic for me um, because I, I know how it feels to follow your parents up a tall flight of stairs on a boat at night at four years old. And... Um, sail from Corona and the Isle of Pines to Badamanu and mainland Cuba overnight to go to Havana to catch a flight to freedom. I know how that feels. And I know it must be desperation why people take the risk to, to come across on boats with small, a small child and, and children and women. It, it is, it is it, the Cuban situation is very, very difficult indeed. I, I'm hoping and praying that it can get better. We have a Cuban Caymanian Association in, in Cayman, which is uh, Mr. Armando Ebanks is the, is the chairman and they have a board. We've been trying to, to get that active for a number of years. And uh, you know, in, in my campaign, I've also said that if I'm elected or when I'm elected by God's grace on the 14th of April, we're gonna negotiate a flight, uh, you know, we have your flights now between Owen Roberts Airport and, and Havana, but we want to try to do a, a small uh, monthly flight on the Saab aircraft between Georgetown and, and Herona, which is the Isle of Pines capital, to, to build travel and trade between our two countries, these two countries, and, and many of our people who live there. So I have a long uh, connection with Isle of Pines, even though uh, my grandparents and great-grandparents are all 
from Cayman, but my parents were born there and we were born there because, as you know, many Caymanians had to go um, overseas to other countries uh, in the region, uh, Jamaica, Cuba, Honduras, uh, the Bay Islands, also the U.S. Mm -hmm. in the 60s and 70s to look for opportunities and for a better life. And so my grandparents did that. And so my parents were born there and we were born there. So this situation with the Cubans and what they're doing, I find to be unacceptable. I also find what is unacceptable is the, 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 the gentleman who is protesting in front of the uh, government administration building for a number of weeks and mm -hmm. trying to get trying to get um, benefits that he would not he was not entitled to and doing it the wrong way. But what what kind of bothers me is why did he have to resort to that kind of behavior? Was it that he was being ignored? Was it was it that he was not given the services of a translator to explain the situation to him legally? And I watched your video yesterday. Somebody was showing it to me of what they're saying on the on the on the on the on the ship that they're on, and I am I am wondering why is it that our our, our premier since the governor's office says that this matter is not for 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 his office or for the UK government it's, it is a devolved responsibility for our elected government why isn't the premier paying attention to this why isn't the minister for home affairs who also speaks Spanish you know or you know she's she also speaks Spanish now she might not be able to speak probably just as bad as me with Spanish, but she she certainly is the Minister of Home Affairs. Why isn't she involved in this as well? She's retiring, so she should have the time. She's not campaigning, so she could assist with it. Because what is happening... Oh, is sorry, that, you're referring to Tara Rivers? Right, right. Oh, she's bilingual? Mi I never knew that. Minister of Home Affairs. Well, she is she's somewhat. She is somewhat. She's, she's smart, you know. She's my oh. cousin, too. Um, but um, so, so what I'm saying, though, is that the government... The elected government needs to pay some attention to this because it is we're getting a very bad impression around the world. We get, there, there's mis misinformation, and so it needs to be addressed. Yesterday, yesterday, let me have a sip of water here. Yesterday, I called the governor's office after I'd been thinking about this matter and um, and and looking at the video and reflecting and, and listening. I called the governor's office to ha and I had a, a, a conversation with one of the senior people there, um, and um, I think that I think that what they have said to me is what you said this morning that it, it is the governor is saying that they're monitoring it, but it's not their responsibility. Mm -hmm. I think that we need to resolve this, and I believe that one of the one of the things that might need to be done is the the agreement between Cayman and Cuba in relation to refugees under the United Nations Refugees um, Convention need to be relooked at and revised because the current the current matter is is not being is not being handled properly. We can't have Customs and Border Patrol and the police dealing with this thing without some senior involvement by our elected government. Our elected elected government. I called on them this morning to get engaged with this problem because it is a problem, get to the bottom of it, make sure that our image around the world is not tarnished because of, of this information or misinformation and, and work with the governor and encourage him also to do whatever he needs to do uh, to help resolve this because it's a human rights issue. These people, like I said, I know how they feel. I know how they feel. I, have, I, I, didn't, come here, I didn't come here on a boat, but I know how they feel to run away from their own country. So we got to listen to them and work with them. If and when I'm elected, 
I will play a big role in helping to resolve this situation with the agreement between Cayman, the UK, and Cuba in relation to refugees, because we're right here in the, in the flight path, as it were, for those people coming, because they don't, they don't really want to come here. They want to get to the United States and other places. But so I believe that the government, the elected government, I'm not elected yet, they need to step up to the plate and deal with this. And I call in the premier, I call in the minister of home affairs to work on this and to get in the forefront of this and let's, let's deal with it and not, and not, um, and not pass it on to somebody else because CDC and police can only work based on policy. And we need to have leadership in this. And all I'm going to say about that today is that I'm concerned about it. The Cuban Caymanian community can trust that if I am elected, we're going to represent them. We're going to represent our people. And we're going to do what's right, what's legally defensible, and what is Christian heritage we should do, and what is also ethical. I'll leave it there. Thank you so much, um, <clears throat> Mario, for those comments. Uh, Madeline, uh, someone was saying that they thought that you were, I don't know what that question was, uh, so they didn't quite get um, your connection to Cuba. Um, they said they thought you were, I guess, a born Caymanian. So maybe if you could just remind them of your Caymanian heritage and um, also precisely where you were born and how you came to live in the Cayman Islands. I, I Again, I, I want to... Um, tell people um, that everybody has smartphones now, everybody has internet connection, uh, people have data, people have Wi-Fi. Go on www.mario, the number four, wbw.com, you'll, you'll see um, my, my history. Um, I also have a long family tree thing that shows that I am a eighth um, generation Caymanian. Um, my, 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 so eight generations going back, but my great grandparents were from West Bay. Um, the Ebanks, the Bush, the reverse family. Um, my, my, um, grandparents were, uh, Philip Cadian Ebanks and Myrtle Getsemi Ebanks on my father's side. On my mother's side, my father was Edward Barney Ebanks and my grandmother was Lina Rivers. And, and so they moved to the Isle of Pines in around 1905, 1910, that, that range, and um, moved there because of health and economic reasons. Um, and, and my parents were born there in the Isle of Pines. In the Isle of Pines, there was a lot of, a lot of Caymanians there, English-speaking people there, and Americans and Canadians. And it was kind of almost like, like how Grand Cayman was in the in the 60s, a lot of a lot of English-speaking people. As a matter of fact, mm -hmm. my Spanish is limited because I didn't go to school. When after the communists came in, after the revolution in 1959, 1960, when the communist uh, Castro government took over from Batista, mm -hmm. only those, only those, only those um, people who people who spoke English, like in our our, our family and stuff, the only how you learned Spanish is when you went to school. If you didn't go to school, we spoke English at home. So when I got here, I was, I, I didn't speak much Spanish. I was only four and a half years old, almost five. Um, but um, my brothers, um, you know, I have, I have four brothers, uh, John, uh, Don and Decky, who are twins, George. And I have two, two sisters, Joan Bush and Sonia Pearson. 
Sonia is my little baby sister, so she was only a year and a half when we got here. Mm-hmm. Um, so she wasn't speaking anything, but she was certainly a precious part of our of our entourage, and still is. Um, but so I didn't speak any Spanish because I didn't go to, I didn't go to school yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but we grew up there, and then when when the when the communists came in and the, and the things turned started to turn bad, uh, my father was was a was a master carpenter. We had mm-hmm. property. He did he did farming. My mother was it was then and still is. Um, although she's 91 years old now, a homemaker, taking care of us children in the country. And, and we grew up, had a nice life there until the communists came in. And we had we lost everything, the land, lost home, lost um, employment. And we had to, because of being British, we were able to, to, to get out. And the main, one of the main motivators is that my oldest brother, um, John, um, John, John Wesley, he was um, almost turning 15. <clears throat> and when you got that, when you got turned that age, you had to go into the military. And my father and my mother and our, our Cuban Caymanian friends or Caymanian family said, we're not going to allow him to go into a communist army. And so my father had to work, work and pray and go into the, into the bushes and sit and pray and fast. And... We, we got into contact with the British Embassy in Havana. We got a real run around. People from Cayman were helping us um, to, to get out and other Caymanians who were trying to get out. People like um, Mr. T.W. Willie Farrington, uh, Mr. Benson Obadiah Ebanks, Uncle Georgie. Uncle Georgie is a precious uncle of ours. Other people were working for us, the Farringtons. And, 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 and we got out. We got out on the 22nd of October 1968, and my brother John would have turned to the age where he had to go into the military of Cuba on November the 27th, 1968. So we just made it. It was so close. It was actually so close that the British embassy and a, and a, a council officer by the name of Mary Louise Kroll, mm-hmm. Mary Louise Kroll, sent a military aid from the British Embassy to the airport with us to make sure that we got on that flight, that Cubana Aviacion flight to Grand Cayman. And my brother John was allowed to come as well. So I know how these people feel. Mm-hmm. And I know that I am a eight generation Caymanian and I want to serve this country because I've been given an opportunity to start life over again. I've worked hard. And I work hard in the future. Mm-hmm. I pledge that to you today and to everyone listening and watching me over Kemal Ma Road. I'm here to serve. I'm ready to serve. I'm your servant leader. Give me a chance. Don't miss that chance on the 14th. My friend, my opponent has had 36 years. We've had a lot of issues in this country. Many are still unresolved and he wants four more years. Tonight at our public meeting at 7 p.m. Um, at the Edbush Field, I am going to be speaking on a topic that's going to be very special. It's called Let's Reunite That Shining City on a Hill. And I want people to listen and come out to the public meeting tonight, 7 p.m. until about 10. Um, and we're going to have guest speakers. I'm going to speak about that topic. Let's reunite, let's reignite 
let's reignite that shining city on a hill. We're going to have refreshments. Our T-shirts are going to be available. Beautiful T-shirts. Sandra, I'll get you one of those. I think you'll love those as well. Mm-hmm. And we're going, to have, we're going to have a good time. And we may, it may be able to have a question and answer period if we have time. Uh, we have mm-hmm. a, a great uh, MC as well. Uh, so people come out tonight. Uh, if you have not received your little um, brochure yet, uh, that talks about me and talks about um, our plans and policies. And it's really just a summary of our, of our, of our plans. And you can see more details of that on, the, on our website, which is uh, mario4wbw.com. And, uh, and Sandra, um, I, I, I hope that I have addressed the issue of, of um, the Cuban situation. And I just want to say, if I, if I could get a few more minutes, that um, one of the things that I am gonna talk about tonight in my, in my talk at the public meeting is that our, our, our three islands, which I, I regard as, a, as shining cities on a hill, the three little dots in the middle of the, of the, of the Western Caribbean Sea that are really a miracle that we are here and do so well. But our little three little islands, mountaintop shining cities on hill, on three hills, are under threat. And when you have multi-billion dollar investors and developers like the DART group coming in here, and simply because they employ people and they are multi-billionaires, some people, including my opponent, believe that you should give them everything on a silver platter and say, you come on, you take it, you, whatever you want, you can get. Um, when they want to put a canal or canals from the North Sound and go under the, the bypass road with the canal and dig, excavate a big turning basin on that land where the Kaboo Festival was held and bring the waters of Seven Mile Beach and the waters of the North Sound within a thousand feet of each other, that is reckless. And that has the potential with the rising sea levels because of global warming. That has the potential of stamping out all of the lights on this bright shining city on a hill that we're talking about. And we cannot allow that. We need to work with the dark people. We need to work with developers. We got to work with investors. But it has to be on our terms where Caymanians, not just Caymanians now, but those who are yet unborn also will have an opportunity. So growth management and sustainable development are critical factors in my campaign and and the way forward. And that's why I am proposing a a strategy called Vision 2050, which is going to be a long-term plan. And I am calling today and I'm going to call tonight as well for a moratorium on large hotels and other large developments on the Seven Mile Beach and elsewhere until we can get a proper development plan for this country. Not one that's going to take 10 years like how the, the current government is talking about. We need to get this done now. It's a priority. Let's get it done. Let's let's restart a, a long-term plan and not have a short-term uh gain for long-term pain, which seems to be the doctrine of my opponent and his and his enablers uh, around West Bay and elsewhere. We have to look at the long-term. It's not the most politically expedient policy, but it's the best. And I'm here for doing what is right and not just what's politically expedient. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much, Mario. We really appreciate it. So um, you're in the final week now of the election. It's less than a week. 
Uh, good luck to you, Mario. Of course, we'll be checking in with people um, next week on election day from the various polling stations. And we will have all day coverage right here on CMR. So we will send those details to your committee members so that they're, make, they're in abreast of how the day will flow um, so that we can certainly keep an eye on what's happening there in West Bay West. So again, good luck to you. Um, Yes. Can I, can, I, can I say something to the very end here? One of the most impactful things that I've done in this campaign is to attend a session last week um, with the group called um, a group that deals with 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 um, inclusion. I think it's called Inclusion Cayman, mm -hmm. and dealing with children with special needs and and talking about how to include them. And I watched the testimony of some of the mothers of those children, and 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 so we got to we got to deal with early intervention of childhood issues and learning disabilities and also proper assessment. And I want to say to all parents, all mothers and all young children that we need to deal with these issues. we got to stop giving these concessions to these large developers and put some money, invest some money in our country. And if you elect Mario Ebanks on the 14th of April, be assured that I'll not let you down, I'll not embarrass you. Help and hope is on the way. Thank you very much, Sandra. God bless you and God bless Cayman Islands. Thank you so much, Mario. Appreciate it. Okay, folks. So that is uh, Mr. Mario Ebanks. Thank you guys so much for your comments. I see lots of you. Um, Donna says, heartfelt message, Mario. Wishing you all the best. You deserve a chance to continue for the um, to work for the Caymanian people um, and the Cayman Islands. And you have a plan to move us forward in a better direction. Selena, um, Vicky says she feels the tears of the situation. Bonnie says, go Mario, you're one of us. Uh, Troy is here. It's time for West Bay West to have an intelligent, educated and compassionate MP of good character and integrity. Um, Anna also feels the emotions um, of that story. Derek, thank you so much for tuning in. I'm um, Karen and um, Anna just says we can fix the situation that it doesn't happen again, but when they arrive here again, give them food, water, fuel, and clothes and let them continue on their journey because that is what they want. So fix the regulations to make it happen. And then the situation will happen again. The problem Jess is um, as it relates to the Cuban nationals, we are actually um, committed to, uh, you know, international laws and international obligations that are of no making of ours. So in other words, because we remain a UK territory, the UK has signed on to um, certain international policies as it relates to the, this particular um, country. And so we have no choice in terms of what we do with them. So we are obligated once they come into our waters to um, take them on board. And then we have some sort of repatriation agreement with the Cuban government. So that is why we process them. It seems to take an awfully long time to send them back. And that's the area that I'm not quite so sure why it takes such a long time. And if there's anything that we can do to expedite that situation, but I don't think we have a choice about what we do with them. We just have a choice of how quickly, and again, it may not be our, our problem. It could be on the end of the Cuban government. I'm sure they probably want to take their time in terms of, of um, taking them back as well. Because the more they stay here, the more they become our issue. And yes, a lot of them do then apply for um, 
you know, status, uh, asylum status. So this is the group of them that are there. We now know that three out of the 13 have been extracted, including the baby. So to the far right, you see Erica with the baby. Um, and the poor baby was just wearing pampers, um, I guess, this entire time. So I don't even know if when they embarked on this journey, if they actually packed any proper clothing for this child. And there was another woman, which you can see there in the front, wearing the white crop top. And then Javier seems to be the one taking the photo. Um, the young man in the blue and white striped shirt, he's next to the, the gentleman with the cap on. Um, he's the darker fellow there, kind of towards the front. Uh, there have been a number of persons who have said to me, or a few people, I shouldn't say a number, but a few people who've said that he's actually a minor as well, that he's not um, over the age of 18. But the police and the authorities here haven't said that. They've said the only minor on board is actually the baby who's about a year old. Um, you know, it's unfortunate, uh, this entire situation, and I sympathize with Mar what Mario has said. I have not really had that personal journey, like coming from Cuba and having to go through the revolution and all that kind of stuff. I saw someone else here mention too that their, I think they said their father, their grandfather was um, living in Isla Pines uh, when Castro took over. And yes, Darlene says, my father came from Cuba also in 1959, just as Castro took over. He was a British citizen at that time. So a lot of people had to flee from uh, Cuba, which includes the Isla Pines because of the tumultuous political situation there. And um, Madeline says, we too were Ebanks's and Powery, and our grandparents were born in Isla Pines and traveled back and forth between Cayman and Cuba to bring in goods. My grandmother, who lives in West Bay and is now 92 years old, only spoke English while in Cuba and eventually learned Spanish. So, you know, we have a very um, multicultural community here in the Cayman Islands. There was a time when we had to go out to other places to find employment. Now a lot of people are coming here, taking advantage of what we have to offer. But that definitely was not always the case. A lot of Caymanians migrated to Honduras, um, the Bay Islands. We went to you know Cuba, the uh, Pines. We went to Europe even. We went to Tampa. We went to Texas, all these ports because we had a, a strong seafaring history. And so a lot of our um, you know, Caymanian people migrated elsewhere for employment opportunities and for a better way of life. Some of them were afforded the opportunity to return to the Cayman Islands. And now we have multiple generations who can speak about, you know, having relatives uh, displaced, if that's the correct word, um, or spread out all over the globe, really. So Caymanians have a very interesting and rich history. Curtis says that he, if he was from Timbuktu, he's still the better candidate. <laughs> Curtis is talking some sense there this morning. We know Curtis is a staunch progressives man, but at least we can agree on this one thing, Curtis, that uh, Mr. Um, Mr. Bush is wanting and comes up short. Okay, folks. Um, so it's an unfortunate situation. We'll continue to update you. So uh, Myra says, no, he's actually 18 years old. Javier keeps calling him a minor. So we know bef from before that Javier sometimes get things factually incorrect. So if he is 18, then yes, that does make him an adult. Thank you, uh, Maida, for confirming that information. So um, TLC reminds us that the agreement with Cuba, or the agreement that we signed on to, says that Cayman has 20 days 
to inform Cuba that they're here. And before the 20 days, if they apply for political asylum, um, that process has to continue. All right, uh, let's take a quick commercial break. We do have uh, Mr. Alric Lindsay, who is going to be joining us, who is coming up next. Um, Alric, thank you so much for joining the program. Now, I did have a video queued up here. Um, let me just pull this back in. Because one of the things that Alric has been working very, very hard on, one of the projects is Smith Barkadier. So he has been instrumental and it's been well over a year now that he's been speaking out on this issue. Um, because he's one of the people who believes that, you know, we need to leave our environment alone and stop trying to overdevelop it. And of course, his opponent, Miss Barbara Connolly, MP Barbara Connolly, was pushing for this project, this multi-million dollar, multi-year project that was going to change the face of Smith Barkadier forever. Um, and it was of the opinion of a lot of people who, you know, grew up in South Sound, grew up in even the Windsor Park area, who would go to that area to um, camp out, you know, enjoy a swim in the ocean, that they did not want it to change so drastically. And so this was a big thing right before the pandemic. You know, the, the progressives has been very, very lucky that the pandemic hit when it did, because having it hit right before an election seems to have given them the ability to say, forget everything else that happened before March of last year, just focus on our performance for the last 12 months and vote us in based on that. And even that um, only a fool would take at, you know, at face value. And I'm going to do a video uh, editorial vlog on this before the general election, because I think I need to summarize it in a very concise way. So we, we've kind of had it in bits and pieces on this show, but I want to do a full consideration of all of the different elements of their handling of the pandemic and why you should not be swayed to vote for them merely on that point alone. So yes, they get a check mark for what I call a B plus performance. I don't even think it's an A performance and I can in that vlog tell you why, but there were so many other things um, before that, that predated that, that you would be foolish to not focus on because that gives you a holistic picture of the type of policies that this government was pushing and what they stand for. And um, that holistic picture is really what you need to keep in mind when you go to the polls on April 14th. So here's just a reminder about Smith Barkadier. What's, what's being proposed, you know, people need to sit back and take a look and get the facts. Now, one of the things we were told by the government was that Smith Barkadier was not being marketed to cruise ship passengers. However, we discovered a website, visitcaymanislands.com, which appears to be connected to the Cayman Islands Department of Tourism and which was actively marketing Smith Barkadair to cruise ship passengers. It mentioned showers being available and gift shops being nearby. We were being told one thing, but marketed another story. This was just the beginning of the misleading statements. Deception involves two parts. The first is you're creating a false belief in somebody else, getting them to believe something that you know is not true. And the second is you have to intend to do that. Two million? Yeah, it is not in, um, in, in that at all. Um, They've thrown around figures, five million, two million. It's nowhere near that. <laughs> so it is nowhere near two million, nowhere near two million. It okay. is... 
I tried to prove what I was saying from the horse's mouth, as it were, using the government's own documents. My constituents in Georgetown South know me. My track record proudly speaks for itself. We have this tenant, strong tendency to accept what we hear. It's because the idea of deception just usually doesn't cross our minds. We were also told that 250000 was going to be spent coming from the government and 250000 was going to be raised within the community. When I did Freedom of Information requests, we discovered that $1 million was budgeted for 2020 and $1 million was budgeted for 2021. So things don't really line up. But I just want the public to know today that I don't know where those figures came from. A million, two million dollars, that was never discussed. And the fact of the matter is, um, we thought perhaps about $250,000, that's what the discussion was. And we were actually going to go out there to the um, private sector and do a, a private, um, public-private sector um, partnership in terms of enhancing that um, development. We see the, the utter loss of shame among political leaders where they're caught in a lie and they just double down and they lie some more. Good morning, Senor Alric. Good morning. How are you? Good, just, you know, getting ready for the final home stretch, you know. Give us an idea of how your last week has been. It's just going door to door, arranging meetings at various people's homes and trying to meet some of the people that didn't get to meet over the last uh, couple of months. Uh, some new voters as well that weren't on the list before that didn't get a chance to meet. So just basically sit, sitting down with everyone and just hearing their thoughts that I didn't get to hear before and then just sharing my ideas for solutions in various areas and just focusing on that, right? Focusing on transparency and accountability and just explaining what a new government can actually look like and feel like you know, we need to stop falling for all these games and all the promises. One of the ways that I intend to keep my promises is by ensuring that the constitution is amended so that if I don't perform or any other members of parliament don't perform, then the people have a, an ability to remove them. So I, I wouldn't sign up to something like that if I wasn't serious about being a public servant and acting in the best interest of the people. I hope that the other members of parliament when elected will also ask for that amendment to the constitution to allow the people to recall them if they don't perform or if they commit an act that is not becoming of a member of parliament. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, also I hope that other MPs sign up to a, a code of conduct so that, again, for the same reason, if they don't act in our best, in the public's best interest and Cayman's best interests, or they commit certain acts, that that code of conduct will have some real teeth and there will be real consequences instead of turning a blind eye. So next couple of days basically is going to be the same, just sitting down, talking to people, 
explaining some things that maybe they didn't really understand before because, as you know, the government doesn't really educate the people to a level where they feel they can make an informed decision and to a level where they really understand the impacts of any new legislation they're talking about or or any other actions they intend to take. I mean, we, we see a lot of things right now that aren't being discussed. When you think about, for example, uh, the DART waste energy uh, facility, for example, we know that that's gonna go online at some stage, but the government isn't giving us some public education in terms of what kind of gases will be released into the air by the operation of the facility. Why don't, why don't we have a Clean Air Act before that facility goes online? Because if gases are going into the air, then we should have some kind of law in Cayman that talks about emissions, what's released into the air, what's acceptable, what's not acceptable, what kind of consequences there'll, there'll be if the operator accidentally releases something dangerous into the air, how, how that will affect their surrounding neighborhoods. So I think there needs to be more public education on the whole dark waste energy facility. And I, I don't see why we have to react to situations. We should be planning in advance for situations. We should be putting in the Clean Air Act before we have something that's in operation that could cause pollution to the air, possibly. So I, th I think there are a lot of a lot of things to um, address, and I, I surely want to be the type of member of parliament that has good communication with all of Cayman, including Georgetown South. And I, I hope that all the members of parliament adopt that kind of good communication approach. If you can go out door to door and get people's votes, you can find a time to explain what the impact is of certain things that you're trying to put in place. It's that simple. If you have if you have all the effort to go door to door and get their vote, then when you're in parliament, you can be organized. It could be through your district council. You can communicate important matters through your district council or through town hall meetings, Facebook, we have social media. There are several ways to communicate what's happening so you keep the, the public up to date and informed. So um, my, ne my next meeting is gonna be more of a meet and greet. So it's gonna be this Saturday, the um, 10th of April at 4 p.m. It's an open lot across from where St. Ignatius uh, Catholic School is. There's an open lot there. So we'll just have um, some tables set up so that people can just talk. And I'll go around the, the venue, just talking to different people It'll be very informal. And if you want to bring your children, then bring your children because we'll have like a little bouncing castle there for them. So it's really like a family ori oriented event so that the people that have kids, they don't have to worry about trying to get a sitter. They can actually just bring their kids uh, with them this Saturday, 10th of April. And it's actually 628 Walker's Road so across from St. Ignatius Catholic Church, the empty lot. So come on out. If you're in Georgetown South, come on down and bring your family. And we'll have a fa family fun day starting around 4 p.m. And it's also a meet and greet, very informal, relax. Come down, ask questions. 
and I hope to see everyone there and have the opportunity to speak to everyone. But today, like I was, I was mentioning today, um, you heard about those virtual international observers. So normally the international observers would be here physically in Cayman, but they're conducting interviews via Zoom. And one of those interviews is actually 10 o'clock today. So it's gonna be myself and some other candidates. And on the other side will be the international observers who are going to be asking us questions about how the election is going and any things that we should draw to their attention. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously there's some controversial items with, I see that the government has been cleared for making those statements about promising stipends, increasing stipends if, if re-elected. Obviously, I think that if that was one of us, you know, Joe Public, they would have probably arrested one of us for making that statement. So it's very interesting. I, I'm going to ask the observers what they think about that. Mm -hmm. If it was a common man on the street offering to increase stipends, mm -hmm. which, you know, when you read the elections law, it, it's, um, it's kind of... It, it's kind of like a wide net, right? So for just reading it and, and, and it, the wording of the offenses seems so wide, you would have thought that that stipend promise would have gotten caught, but it didn't. So it'll be interesting to hear when I speak with the election observers this morning at 10, what, what they think about that. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Things is um, I noticed that the government is talking about appointing a parliamentary secretary for housing, for affordable housing. Mm -hmm. I think it's very interesting because you remember we we uh, met with the lady in Windsor Park and she was going to be evicted from her home and you interviewed her mm -hmm. and increased awareness to the public. So, that, you know, the most important thing was she took responsibility for her situation whether that was budgeting or planning or whatever it was, she actually took responsibility for that. And, you know, she wanted to warn the rest of the public to, you know, not miss your payments and keep up to date and keep good records and budget well. And also we, we, uh, we learned about a good Samaritan who would offer to buy the home and the government did not accept that offer. So we're talking about a government who's saying now on their platform, they're gonna appoint a parliamentary secretary to somehow deal with affordable housing. But we, but while they're saying that, the continuation of the story of this lady is that, so one, there was a good Samaritan who offered to buy the home. The government didn't accept that offer. The next thing is the good Samaritan's daughter was going to buy the home. They weren't interested in that offer either. The next thing was the amount that she actually owed the government. The Good Samaritan was, was offering to just pay off that amount. And my understanding is that that offer wasn't accepted either. So here we are talking about a government that, that wants to appoint a parliamentary secretary. But right now, they're, they're, not, they're not willing to help someone who has had a Good Samaritan make a, an offer to ensure that someone has housing. So someone outside is trying to ensure our Caymanian is to, to get housing, but the government is obstructing it. So 
the update of all of this is that recently the lady received a letter from some lawyers basically saying that you know if she didn't pay within a couple of days that they were going to come after her well just to let you know I, an, a lawyer actually volunteered his time um, so basically free of charge mm-hmm. to, to defend her in court. So you would think that a government that is promoting this idea that they're going to be here for us when it comes to affordable housing, that's what they're saying to you publicly. But privately, they're trying to sue this lady and get her out of the house. You know, so don't pay attention to just what they market to you. I keep saying that to people. The government markets all these things to you, and then behind closed doors, they do something else. That's why we talk about freedom of information, but then they amend the law to restrict your freedom. We talk about how people are suffering during the lockdown and K-Minds being out of work, but then we have people encouraging others to come back from overseas who have work to get full-time jobs Whereas Caymans stay unemployed or Caymans and hotels only have two days out of the week. We have, we have so many situations where they're marketing one thing and then they're doing something else. That's why we need to have people in government that just talk straight and just tell people what the, how something's going to impact them, what they need to do to plan, to get ready. And not just this, just the, all this marketing Beginning of the year, they again people are struggling, don't have no job, lost money from their business. The government goes and gazettes, government goes and publishes an increase in salary for government workers from salary grades A to D. What that means is the judges, attorney general, all the high ups were getting a salary increase in January, and that was published in the Cayman Gazette. So my thing is the highest paid people are getting a salary increase. And then all the lower paid people, all the lower paid civil servants did not get a salary increase in January. And so we, you know, we brought that to, to light. Again, all this marketing, we, we are doing so much for you. But in the background, they're amending laws and they're they're taking action in their own personal interests. And the last thing I'll mention is. You remember how they amended the Legislative Assembly Management Law to give themselves a severance pay. Mm-hmm. If they stood for re-election and lost, or if they didn't stand at all, so they're, they'll be getting three months pay, you know, out of public funds, you know. So there's all these things, all these things. I mean, sometimes because the laws are written in such a complex way, You know, a lot of people don't even bother to read them. And that's why I support having a plain English language version of all legislation so that the people can really understand what's being done to them and how the government's actions affect them. There's so many things, so many things. And I, when you talk about staying woke, I mean, if if we don't keep our people informed and if we don't rally our people to keep the government accountable. Basically, they're gonna erase us. They're gonna they're gonna fill fill their pockets, they're align their pockets 
they're going to increase our population to 150,000 people. And they don't really care as long as they make it, they're making money now. As long as they're making money now, they don't care about anything else. As long as all their kids are in private school, they're not going to worry about what happens to public school because they, they don't really have a vested interest. So, you know, that's one of the reasons why the public education system stays the same way. And that's why one of, one of the reasons why we continue having problems in the system, because if you as a politician don't have your own children in a public school, then you don't really have an interest, interest in making it better. So there's just a lot of things that, that happen that our own people just need to just stay aware and pay attention. And mm -hmm. I, I fully support provisions in the constitution that give you the power, give you the people the power to remove us if we're not doing our job. That, that's what I want to sign up to. And I hope the other members of parliament when elected will sign up to the same thing so that you're not just getting a bunch of promises and we're not executing. If we make the promises and we don't execute, there should be provisions that are set out to say, well, you, didn't, you, you haven't done a great job. And so we are going to vote to remove you. Let, let's all sign up to it. If we're serious about being public servants to the people of the Cayman Islands, let's mm -hmm. sign up to it. You know, we don't want to be in the same position four years from now where nothing has been done, you know? So. All right, Sir Alric, thank you very much. Again, less than a week, folks. Um, Alric, what number are you in the ballot box, on the ballot sheet? I'm number two on the ballot box. So All right. make your X on number two for Georgetown South on the 14th of April. All right, folks. So again, one of the things that Alric has been instrumental um, with is showing how government Apparently, um, the consular and I guess MPs and even some of the civil servants didn't know what the budget was for the Smith Barkadier project. And he was able to FY documents and actually find that budget. So let's just watch that once more. Um, Alric, good luck to what's you being proposed. Um, in the, in the uh, election next week on the 14th. Thank you. All right, my dear. Very good. You know, people need to sit back and take a look and get the facts. Now, one of the things we were told by the government was that Smith Barkadere was not being marketed to cruise ship passengers. However, we discovered a website, visitcaymanislands.com, which appears to be connected to the Cayman Islands Department of Tourism and which was actively marketing Smith Barkadere to cruise ship passengers. It mentioned showers being available and gift shops being nearby. We were being told one thing, but marketed another story. This was just the beginning of the misleading statements. Deception involves two parts. The first is you're creating a false belief in somebody else, getting them to believe something that you know is not true. And the second is you have to intend to do that. Two million? Yeah, it is not in, um, in, in that at all. Um, they've thrown around figures, five million, two million. It's nowhere near that. So it is nowhere near two million, nowhere near two million. It is. I tried to prove what I was saying from the horse's mouth, as it were, using the government's own documents. My constituents in Georgetown South know me.
folks, let me just back up to that screen. It is nowhere near two million. It's easy to miss that. Nowhere near two million. It is. I tried to prove what I was saying from the horse's mouth. So it says the funds were to be taken from the Ministry of CPI's budget appropriation EA142, which was allotted $1 million in 2020 and also for the 2021 budget cycles. We also wish to note that spending of funds from budgeted capital does not need the express approval of cabinet to be initiated. However, approval of both the minister and the chief officer responsible is necessary for the disbursement of funds from capital votes. As it were, using the government's own documents. My constituents in Georgetown South know me. My track record proudly speaks for itself. We have this tenant, strong tendency to accept what we hear. It's because the idea of deception just usually doesn't cross our minds. We were also told that 250000 was going to be spent coming from the government and 250 was going to be raised within the community. When I did freedom, freedom of information requests, we discovered that $1 million was budgeted for 2020 and $1 million was budgeted for 2021. So things don't really line up. But I just want the public to know today that I don't know where those figures came from. A million, two million dollars, that was never discussed. And the fact of the matter is, um, it, we thought perhaps about $250,000, that's what the discussion was. And we were actually going to go out there to the um, private sector and do a, a private, um, public-private sector um, partnership in terms of enhancing that um, development. We see the, the utter loss of shame among political leaders where they're caught in a lie and they just double down and they lie some more. folks the number two in the ballot box for georgetown south that is none other than alric Lindsay. we do have mr mario who wants to express a few words of condolences um, before we then move on to mr wayne pampton mr mario welcome back thank you sandra thanks for giving me another minute uh, when i was on earlier on your show and i thank you again for the opportunity your wonderful show and i wish you all the best during the election time as well in the future i i didn't realize that one of our 
Cuban Caymanian ladies, uh, Ms. Uh, Diana um, uh, Mateos um, had passed away suddenly um, just after midnight this morning. And I want to give sympathies to her family and all of her friends and all of our Cuban Caymanians from the Isle of Pines here on Grand Cayman. Um, you know, it just it was a few months ago that, that she buried her mother, Miss Marie, and I was also involved in that in that funeral. And uh, I can't believe that Diana is also passed on this morning. So I want to just express sympathies and I thank you for giving me this opportunity. And I want to reach out to the Cuban Caymanian community, Isle of Pines here in West Bay to reach out to the family as well and to assist as necessary. Thank you very much. Deepest sympathies, God bless and comfort all of you. And thank you, Sandra. Have a good day. Okay. Thank you so much, um, Mr. Mario. So again, our condolences are going out to Cuban Caymanian, uh, Mrs. Mateo, who died suddenly last night, um, to her entire family. We can't imagine the loss that they're having to deal with this morning. So, you know, life in the midst of everything that we have going on, um, you know, these things still happen and sometimes they're quite unexpected. And, um, you know, we do wish the family um, some comfort during this time. So we've got up next, Mr. Wayne Panton. Good morning, Wayne. How are you? I'm all right, Sandra. Good morning to you and good morning to our wonderful Cayman Islands. Yes, so good to see you. Um, wow, less than one week. How are you feeling? You're looking good, by the way. Did you get a haircut? I got a haircut a few days ago, yeah. <laughs> Either that yes. or it's lost its grip and fallen off. I don't know, but um, <laughs> yeah, I, I occasionally get it, get it um, streamlined a bit. Yeah, things, you know... Um, I like I like what I'm seeing. Um, I think um, you know there's reason for for cautious optimism. Mm-hmm. Um, we're I think we're all very tired um, because it's been a a long sort of condensed slog, um, and you know there there are there are events, there are um, programs, the variety of things that. We'd like to participate in fully, um, but we just don't have the time to get to, to be involved with all of them. We have conflicts, um, so we can't do all of them. And unfortunately, there is one tonight, um, which was an ICCI um, sort of town hall that they were organizing that I would dearly love to be involved with. Um, unfortunately, that conflicts with a previously scheduled meeting. Um, and I don't, I don't like, you know, I don't think it would be fair to sort of cancel a meeting um, to incorporate it. Um, but anyway, um, I, you know, I, I want to also start off by expressing condolences to, to Ms. Diana as well as her family, rather. Um, they, we have, we have family members that live in, in Newlands. Um, and she worked with me in the past. Um, so I, I knew her quite well. So I want to express um, condolences there. Um, even though she's not directly a resident, it doesn't matter. She's a Caymanian. She lives in the Cayman Islands. And that's that's who we should be caring about, everybody in our country. Um, I also want to express condolences to um, a, 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 the family of a lady who passed away, um, I think, last week. Um, um, who is a resident, was a resident of, of Newlands. Um, and that's um, Miss Lawrence. Um, so I want to express uh, condolences to her family as well. 
it's always it's always sad when we when we lose um, our, our loved ones and it's unfortunately a part of life that we, we we go through the longer we live the more the more people that we love we lose so mm-hmm. yeah, part of life is is going through these these tough um, um, processes and events of grief um, but we get through it by remembering who they were and what they were to you um, and holding on to those memories and cherishing them Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, thank you so much for that. So um, I know that everyone is, is uh, in some respect, I think, looking forward to the 15th, but maybe that's when the real work then begins for uh, MPs having to get their act together um, for the winners, trying to figure out how they're going to form the next government. So one of the things that the progressives has put out there as a reason why you should vote for their state of candidates and alliance members, some of who are woefully um, ill-equipped for the job, uh, they can't speak, they don't have any ideas, they bring nothing to the table except that they're with the progressives. And they have said that that's enough that you should vote on, um, you should vote for those individuals just based on the fact that they're part of their team and that the the independents are not going to be able to get it together. Uh, Wayne, there might be some people who are being fooled by that rhetoric and who are listening to the program this morning. What do you say? How do you respond to comments like that that have been made by um, the Premier, Mr. Alden McLaughlin? Well, I would say that, um, you know, where you, where you have a very strong party system and you have strong parties that are able to field um, a sufficient number of candidates who can um, basically, you know, win, win their seats and give, the, give that party um, a, um, a majority to govern. I, I can see that kind of argument, but what we've what we've actually experienced with the at least the two parties that we have in Cayman that have a history, and, I'm, and for these purposes, I'm excluding um, the the new party that uh, Mr. Miller created. Um, we have we have a failure of party politics at that level. Um, both parties have declined in significance. Both parties have become um, victims of, of um, a, you know, basically being a, a cult of personalities, um, and they have both abandoned their constitutions. They both abandoned um, a lot of their underlying um, ideologies, a lot of their their underlying, uh, you know, the visions and the um, the constitutional constructs which gave meaning to them. Um, they've under, they've ignored their processes. I mean, the 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 process for um, bringing new people on board and um, just hasn't been followed. Um, so you have you have a group of people who are being enticed to come on board with uh, a number of party people who don't together. The party people don't have anywhere near sufficient numbers. They haven't been able to build support. They haven't been able to add membership. In fact, it's the opposite has been happening. They've been declining. Um, that that doesn't reflect any sort of strong party culture. All all this all this alliance reflects is an attempt to get 
um, a number of people on board by enticing them and promising them all sorts of things just so they can present numbers and say, hey, we've got enough numbers. But look at the history of, of, of parties and, and how many people have left, even during the time when the party is in government, um, where they, they're heavily leading um, a coalition government. They lose, they lose members. You know, the progressives lost two, two members um, during the, the 13 to 17 period. So there, there is no guarantee at all that um, they are going to be able to, to maintain things, keep it together, um, form a government, continue to perform. Um, the, the suggestion that history is going to repeat itself every time in relation to, um, to independence is not accurate in my view at all. I think if you look around at the field of people who um, are a part of the independence group at this point, and if you look at some of you know some of the the people that are even within the PPM themselves, I think that some of them would be happy to step aside from the PPM and join um, join a group of people who who are quite prepared, quite skilled, um, knowledgeable, um, have have. Um, plans and visions that are going to take this country forward and address the issues that people are concerned with today. Um, mm -hmm. So I don't, I don't buy this. I don't buy this that hey, all you have to, to look forward to is a repeat of 2017. I don't think that's going to happen. I do not believe that for one second. Um, I don't believe that the alternative that they present is some rosy alternative that that shows strong leadership, that shows the ability to move forward in a concerted mm -hmm. way. All they've done is patched up a bunch of people together, um, made some promises to, to them. Uh, they that is going to be less strong than than the 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 party was and the government was in 2013 to 17. Um, and, it, and we already had defections. We had breakups with that. Uh, so I have no confidence that um, you know their promises are capable of being fulfilled. Um, you know, we've already seen issues where, where we have we have the party leader saying that you know he doesn't see any space or or doesn't doesn't want to see um, um, you know the, the current speaker of the house um, in government um, and 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 even possibly even supported as speaker, um, but none of the other members seem to be saying that. So. Where is the consistency in their position? Mm -hmm. The only thing that has been consistent in the past is that they were prepared to support somebody um, who was, by his own admission and by an objective conclusion by the court, uh, was not setting a standard that we want for our leadership in the country. Mm -hmm. um, now, because it suits um, at least one person on that side, on that ticket, um, to say he doesn't agree with that. Um, where is it? Where is the position of the rest of them? They're, listen, they've they've already got one flip flopper back on board. Um, now we, they have the party leadership flip flopping. Uh, we need consistency. We need people who are going to stand up on principle and values and say this is our consistent position. Um, I know there are many of the independents who have consistently maintained that. This issue is a is a real issue. It's one for 
um, a demonstration to our children of what principles and values um, and, and, and what behavior is acceptable um, and expected of, of the leadership. Um, it's a demonstration of consistency, which we haven't seen mm -hmm. on, on the government side and, um, and on the, the alliance side. So there is no credibility in anybody saying on the, from the alliance perspective that they've got it together, they're a strong team, um, they're, they're taking a consistent approach and therefore they, they should be trusted. No, I think the people of the country have reached the conclusion that um, certainly not everybody on that team should be regarded as, as being trustworthy um, because of the inconsistency, because of the failures to demonstrate real leadership in the country. Um, I, I am convinced um, and I know there's been lots of conversations before, um, you know, over, over, the, over the past weeks and I'm convinced that we will be able to put something together. Um, and I'm not excluding anybody. Um, I'm saying once we have clarity on later on the night of, of April 14th or on the morning of April 15th, I'm convinced that we will be able to put together a government that will go forward in the best interest of the country and uphold the high standards that that we think the country deserves, that we think the women of our country deserves um, to show them the respect that they must have and the respect that they deserve. So, yeah, I, I hear the arguments, but I don't think I'm the only person that's absolutely not convinced by those arguments. I think there's a significant element of the population that agrees with my perspective. Mm -hmm. Very good. Uh, let's see what sort of comments. Um, Sandra Miller says the vote for Alec number two. Thank you, Miss Julie. Um, said after the $250,000 had come out of the $2 million, the rest was going to be shared up. Tell Anna God works in mysterious ways. Um, I don't really know that that was the case, but it does seem peculiar that you could have a project designed um, and have gotten that far in terms of planning approval, et cetera, and you don't actually know what the real budget is and you're somehow still looking for a private sector to pay for it through a private sector, public sector partnership. That response didn't really make any sense to me. So I've always been confused about that. Um, Wayne, the big elephant in the room today is the situation that has been unfolding over a couple of days about these Cuban migrants who have um, somehow um, semi-commandeered um, this Panamanian boat and the situation now where uh, I guess the authorities may have to forcibly remove them if they continue to insist that they do not wish to return to the Cayman Islands. What are your thoughts uh, on the situation that you're willing to share with us? Uh, well, I think it is, I mean, I, I, I can't say that I'm fully um, informed of all the facts around it, um, but I, I have a basic understanding of, of what's what's going on, um, and I recall prior events um, which were were well sort of ventilated um, in the media, including on on your show. Um, I I think that Cayman needs to. It's it's our responsibility to address it. Um, I don't think that the you know that that we can 
um, tolerate um, or accept that um, a vessel which is complying with the with with international law in terms of saving lives at sea um, ought to be unfairly prejudiced and, and um, inconvenienced. Um, I think they are, the approach that's being taken in terms of, at least initially, in terms of um, trying to negotiate the issue, um, trying to convince people to behave in a responsible manner. Um, I think that is that is the initial approach that's right. I think we have to um, understand that we're talking with human beings who have, you know, been exposed and grown up and um, come out of a out of a system which is um, not do, doesn't share the same values, doesn't share the same approach, and 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 trains people in a different perspective to think differently than than we do in in the the more free world. Um, so we have to be we have to be accommodating in respect to that to some extent. But there is a point at which um, if belligerence continues to be the order of the day, then um, I think the authorities will probably have to have to take some action. Um, it would be unfortunate if it if it you know if it takes that sort of thing. Um, mm -hmm. That is the result, but it, it may well be necessary to to do that. Um, um, I would I, I would you know simply encourage them to use as little force um, as necessary in doing that because we certainly don't want anybody getting injured either either on the, on the side of the authorities or in, on the side of the individuals who are involved i think they you know their i think their their efforts and their perspectives are a little bit misguided um, but it doesn't mean that they don't have legitimate complaints um, but this is not the way to address it um, and it's it's certainly um, you can't hijack a tanker and say take me to venezuela um, mm. when they just saved you at sea. Um, and of mm. course, you know, they've uh, they've created, in the court of public opinion in Cayman, they've created um, uh, a bit of a distaste um, because of, of um, this and other, other um, prior acts. Mm -hmm. But um, I think we have to stick with the, with the obligations we have um, as um, a responsible country in the world. Um, and and deal with people in in the best possible way. So I suspect it might end up coming down to them having to exercise some degree of force. Um, but at the same time, as I said, I would I would like to see them exercise as as much care um, as possible. Mm -hmm. Particularly because you yeah, know, sad. we have we have children involved. Uh, at least one child involved, as I understand it. Yes. Well, the child has now been extracted um, as of this morning, along okay. with the mother, um, for medical reasons. Apparently, the child was was running a fever, and and they were concerned wow. about. Yeah, it's very unfortunate. Um, so we're just keeping our people abreast, our viewers abreast of what's happening. Um, I'm hoping that they will realize the, you know, that this can only probably end one way, and no one's going to be giving in to their demands about taking them into another jurisdiction. Um, right. So well, we'll keep an eye on it and definitely update people as it continues to unfold. Um, Wayne, do you have any events coming up this week into the home stretch? I know last night you had a meet and greet session there in Newlands. Um, how was that event? Um, that that went very well. Um, you know, we had a we had a, a, a nice size 
group of people there um, for for that kind of event. Um, and it, it, it was very nice, um, lovely evening. Um, shared a lot of discussion, a lot of very good questions. Um, and, you know, I, I, that's the sort of thing. And the, the, that is the kind of dialogue that we need to have um, both before elections and after elections as well. Um, so, mm-hmm. that, so that there's clarity um, and there's communication and there's an understanding of what the issues continue to be um, and where our focus needs to be as elected representatives um, to address the, the needs of, of people. But yeah, we, it was very, it was very nice. Um, you know, it was, as I said, it was a, it was a nice, nice group, nice crowd for that type of event, which is a more of a, you know, some people would call it kind of, um, some people call them backyard meetings, some call them area meetings. Um, you know, we, um, ours was just billed as a, as a meet and greet for, um, North Sound Estates. Interestingly, there was a, a meeting of the, the progressive slash alliance or whatever they are um, down the road. Um, and I'm not convinced that um, based on reports that I heard that they had um, any kind of significant showing there, even though they had quite a few members um, who were candidates, um, you know, speaking there. Uh, I, I really didn't watch anything in relation to it but um i I don't think that they were particularly that that people of the area were particularly impressed or or um interested in attending to hear what they had to say Mm -hmm. um their style of of um campaigning is obviously different from ours you know we like to talk about um initiatives we like to talk about the things that we propose to do in our communities because um obviously with a theme or platform of community creates country, we have a very huge focus in relation to community. Um, but we have a track record, um, certainly in Minister Bot, or um, my colleague, Mr. Ozzy Bodden, um, who was a former minister, as, as was I, we both have a track record of, of uh, performing at a national level. And so yeah. we talk about national issues and we talk heavily about, about um, local community issues as well. And we don't get into the mudslinging, um, you know, and, and the personality politics and all that kind of silliness. But unfortunately, that's what we've seen um, on the other side. Um, and you know, what's very interesting to me is um, I've seen one or two clips of some of the other candidates in Newlands um, mm-hmm. um, and their meetings and. Yes, I have seen at least on one occasion. I've seen some some move towards some mudslinging and some personality politics, but um, by and large, um, I think the other three candidates, other than the incumbent, have taken a more constructive approach, approach mm-hmm. a more positive approach. Um, and you know that I I I give them um, kudos and credibility for that because I'm. Um, I think that's that's a much better approach than getting up there and trying to attack people um, in ways that we know. And this is what really annoys me is that people seem to think that the people of our country don't um, don't remember, don't understand, don't think about the issues, and can't work out for themselves where people are telling lies um, and being dishonest. Um, but they can. 
we have we have very intelligent constituents and it's our obligation to treat them with respect and tell them the truth be upfront with them and not not pretend that you know they're somehow beneath us and we can fool them by saying a few things and attacking somebody else mm. um we've seen that happen in for a variety of issues in in cayman mm. um, over the last four years um and we, we've seen it amplified too much on the the government side um on this occasion which to me has been very disappointing very disappointing um, mm. i don't mind you saying you disagree with my opinion i don't mind you saying your ideas are different or better than mine um but i do mind you saying that the, the argument that you have against me is a lie or something personal or something you've made up because when right. you start lying and when you start doing personal you know having personal attacks like that you've lost the argument the argument ought to be about whose idea is better and whose whose track record is better um when you start with the personal mudslinging nonsense um, you've lost it you've lost the argument you've lost credibility and people see it hmm. yeah well um we understand that you do have another function that is slated for this evening yeah sorry let me get on to that yes, yes. um I have a meeting on this evening um, at um, it's on the corner of Moonbeam and, and Nathan Marin Drive, mm -hmm. and you know it's just as you come into Moonbeam. So looking forward to that, um, in, inviting and encouraging everyone um, in that area to come out uh, and attend. Um, but anywhere in Newlands, I mean, Newlands is very compact, um, but um, so nothing is more than a few minutes away. Um, but you know, there's there's a lot of people that live there. There's a lot of density, um, so I understand that some people um, will may not be able to to make it. But certainly, if you are in that area um, and you want to hear a discussion about my perspectives, my plans in relation to Newlands, um, please come out and attend that. Um, we will have the usual refreshments, and we, and I'm sure you know it's going to be. Um, a significant amount of question and answer um, at the um, in the second half of the the, the discussion that um, this evening. So please come out and attend that. Um, I'm sure you'll you'll find it very reward, rewarding. Um, we also have um, we have a an open house scheduled for Saturday to reflect the fact that we've had a, a an office in Savannah um, serving both communities of Newlands and Savannah for the last four years. And it has been staffed. Um, people have been here. We are available. Um, I can't say that for the other. I can't say that for the sitting MPs um, representing um, Savannah Newlands. They they have they have an office. They have a little building with a sign on it, but the little building um, has a lot of bars across the window, and the door is always barred and shut with a sign on, up front that says "Call if you need something." Um, I don't think that's what the constituency allowance has been given to MPs for. Uh -huh. um, and I mean, it's certainly not to just have an office where you pay a minimum amount of rent um, and then it covers a phone bill for people to call. Although I have had lots of complaints about people not being able to get through. Be that as it may, we have been here. We're having an open house. We want people to understand that this office is here, has been here, and will be here, and it is serving the people of 
um, our communities. In fact, we've had people from all over the country come in here. Um, I mentioned last night at another meeting that I had that we had a lady come in, I think about a year and a half ago, two years ago now. And she came in and she said, I just came off the plane from Cayman Brack and um, you're, the, you're the only ones that I know where to, um, that somebody's going to be in the office and that can help me. Um, so, yeah, we, we're, we've been open to helping um, and answering questions and providing services um, to people all over the country. And we want people to understand where this office is, what it is, and what's available. Um, mm -hmm. And then, of course, we're having uh, on the, the 13th, the night before elections, um, we'll, we'll have uh, Heather Bodden and I will have a final meeting in Newlands, sort of on the Newlands um, Savannah border in front of her house, her mother's house. Um, so that's Miss Mary Bodden's yard, just inside um, Hurst Road when you turn off the bypass. Uh, prior to that, we're actually going to have uh, a bit of a rally, um, which sort of starts in front of Heather's house out, out in Savannah, um, near um, Jason Avenue. And we will we'll, we'll provide some more details around that, but that is going to happen um, prior to that. And then we basically end up at her, at her mother's yard in, in Newlands, um, well, Newlands, Savannah, let's call it. Uh, one side is Newlands, the other side is Savannah. Um, quirky, quirky um, boundary, boundary anomalies. But um, so we'll be we'll be doing that, and we look forward to participation. We look forward to um, you know having lots of people there and enjoying and make a real, real event of it. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. So we're still getting a lot of comments about the Cuban situation. Um, we'll get back to those here in a second. So again, folks, uh, Wayne Panton, what number are you in the ballot sheet, Wayne? I'm number three on, on the ballot. Um, yep. So I'm asking the people of Newlands to recognize the fact that I have provided strong public service, strong community service, and I've been a consistent person. Um, I, I have left the, the PPM, um, for very clear reasons. And that is because I don't believe that they have demonstrated to the country, the right leadership in, on, on difficult issues. I admit they're difficult issues. Um, but I think they have demonstrated that they're more concerned about their own political expediency rather than demonstrating the right leadership and the right approach um, to to the women of the country, to the young people of the country. And you know, I I think it, it represents a failure. And I'm it's it's something that hurts me. It's very disappointing to me as somebody who was a part of effectively the, the recreation, um, significantly a part of the recreation of the of the party in 2012. Um, and we went on to be a part of, be the government um, largely in the, the 2013 to 2017 era. Um, but that government is not the same as this government today. There are some of the same people, um, but unfortunately I think um, they have come, they have, they've untied from the rest of the people in the country. They've, they've gone adrift, um, they've lost perspective and I think part of that is a leadership issue. Part of that is a, is a failure to engage on a consistent level with people of the country. Um, and that, I, you know, I saw that coming from 
during the 13 to 17 time period where there was a real reluctance to to have meetings to you know have public meetings to have engagement with with the people of the country and that that should be um uh, an integral part of politics in the country it should be an integral part of being a being a representative in 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 the country um and in your particular constituency mm-hmm. you know you should be you should be at least able to talk to the people of, the, of your your community at least um once a quarter if not more frequently and from my perspective i will be available as frequently as the people of the country want and people in my community want me to be uh, and the people of the country generally mm-hmm. uh, i i've in my experience with um in my term as minister i think i probably did more public consultation um during that period on on a number of different issues i think you'll remember i I did it in relation to um, the national conservation law. I did it in relation to the issue of uh, whether we whether we should consider moving to daylight savings time. I did it in relation to the issue of um, you know wh- whether whether we should make some changes to the Sunday trading law, reflect current realities. Um, so I know what it's like to engage um, with the public. I know what it's like to, to engage on issues that they may not be particularly supportive of, or certain groups may not be particularly supportive of. Um, um, but you, but you, but you show them the respect of giving them the opportunity of telling you that they don't support something or they don't agree with it, um, and then you, and then you respond to that by, you know, implementing changes to the policy or changes to the legislation or the bill. Um, that you're working on to reflect those those concerns where you you think that you know that they're clearly legitimate and appropriate concerns. Um, I think every politician should be doing. I've only really seen one politician in Cayman doing that, um, and that is Ezard Miller. And I will give him credit for that. Um, most of the others don't seem to want to engage um, outside of the election process, and I think that's unfortunate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, my dear. Well, thank you so much, uh, Wayne. We certainly do um, appreciate you coming on the program again. I think today might be your back on. Let me just check my schedule. All three of you are back on Tuesday. 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 Yes, okay. The yeah. 13th. So we will see you guys on Tuesday. So, folks, yeah. um, tune back in on Tuesday, April the 13th. We will have Heather. Ozzy and Wayne Panton all together day before election day. There's one other point I'd like to make, um, Sandra, and that is if you, if you will accommodate me, and that is sure. Um, the people of Newlands um, who voted for me in the 2017 election, I greatly appreciate the confidence that they placed in me on that occasion. Um, I lost by 15 votes. Mm-hmm. I, I am asking the people of Newlands who placed their confidence in me in 2017 to again place their confidence in me. And I'm asking those people who voted um, otherwise to examine whether or not their vote resulted in the kinds of representation and the kind of leadership and the kind of engagement um, and the kind of delivery of service in the community 
in the constituency that they expected. I believe they will find that that is not the case. Um, I believe based on um, myself as an individual being a member of the constituency, um, as well as what many others are telling me that they have been disappointed in, in the performance of the individual and they have been disappointed in the fact that there has been a lot of deception, both in terms of a, a um, you know, the, the campaign, um, as well as deception in terms of, you know, hearing, hearing that one thing was happening, having a denial um, that it wasn't happening, and then finding out that it was in fact happening. And then having, having um, you know, confirmation from the individual that that was the case and had been discussed for months. So clearly, you know, people ought to, um, they ought to have a lot of introspection and, and figure out whether they have been disappointed. And I believe, I believe there are more than eight people because it would only have been eight people that could have that that needed to vote the other way last time for me to win. I believe there's a lot more than eight people who are going to take a different approach this time. Mm-hmm. And I am I'm asking them to strongly consider um, whether they feel they have been well represented and whether they feel that it is important that someone demonstrate consistency and demonstrate. Um, integrity and honesty and I think they will they will conclude that that's not the case and they will be looking for other options and I'm asking them to consider joining the other people who place their confidence in me previously um, and I hope that will they will continue to do that again and they will join them mm. and elect me number three on the ballot Wayne Panton as a member of parliament for Newlands which will allow me to do a lot of work, great work in Newlands, um, make the, make a difference in terms of quality, significant improvement in our quality of life in the community, and address help address national issues that helps everybody across the board. So thank you again, Sandra. I appreciate yeah, the time. Absolutely. And and, um, and I must say, just as a just an aside, as an aside, really, is I think that one of the things that actually did hurt you last time was your alignment with the progressives because a lot of people were minded uh, to vote for what they thought were independent candidates. Now, of course, we have seen that, unfortunately, Alva has um, made a few decisions since then uh, that has confused us in terms of a bit of a back and forth on whether he's an independent candidate or not. But at this current moment, he has said that he's an independent candidate running with the progressives as a member of the alliance. And <laughs> it, it's that whole arrangement is, is very confusing, I must tell you. Yeah. But um, well, that's, that's what you call trying to have a cake and eat it too. Right. Um, and that 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 is part of the issue of um, integrity and whether you're being honest and upfront with people. Um, you can't say, hey, I'm still this. Um, but for another purpose, say, yes, I'm that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, Wayne, we will see you guys on Tuesday. Um, folks, just as an FYI, and by the way, Wayne, I'm really hoping that uh, if you're elected, we can certainly see um, a more 
um, transparent and workable relationship with the media as well from all MPs. We're looking for change if for that reason, you know, alone. Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. Um, the media so, is an absolutely essential part of democracy. It's an essential part of, um, of, of life anywhere in any jurisdiction in terms of keeping people informed on the issues, giving them the opportunity to communicate their views. And you do that in spades. Um, I know you're not particularly popular with um, elements of the government. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's it's kind of obvious those who didn't who didn't feel that way, um, even if they've come on board lately. Um, mm -hmm. But um, that just because you disagree with mm -hmm. the views of certain, you know, at certain times or or even generally. It's still your obligation to participate. It's it's still your obligation to engage with people and to be able to utilize whatever platform there is out there um, to reach out to people, uh, engage with them, understand their views, and, and respond to them. Um, I have never understood why there is this extreme reluctance of people in government to engage with the people that voted for them. I just don't understand it. I, even if you didn't vote, even if you didn't vote for me or or for them, um, I'm I'm still your representative. They're still your representatives, and they should be engaging with you in the same way because you owe them that obligation. You know, mm -hmm. um, so thank you for the you know for the good work you continue to do. Um, I'm not going to say that that um, you know we necessarily agree on every single little thing, mm -hmm. um, but you are out there doing a filling a, a big gap that was left um, and and actually it's you know it's a new style it's a new form of media mm. um, it's a it's an evolution of media it's an evolution of the kind of access that the people of the country um, need and obviously enjoy because you have a lot of people on your platform mm -hmm. um, who, who interact with you um, on a daily basis look forward to it and it's a very positive thing. I think any discussion with the public, um, any opportunity to interact, provide information, provide the truth, provide the facts, um, and get a response and get opinions, any of that is great for democracy and essential for a country and a society that works properly. Thank you so much, Wayne. We really appreciate it. Folks, that's all she's got for uh, for us today. Um, not she being Wayne, but just a general. Yeah. Have a great day, everybody. That's all we've got. Yeah. Um, we will continue to monitor the situation with the Cuban nationals, obviously. Um, again, Wayne, good luck to you. Thank uh, you. Four persons are running in the district. We will be talking a little bit about um, on Monday as well as Tuesday what you can expect in the election day coverage on Wednesday because there are some restrictions that we have from the um, – elections office. We spoke to them yesterday. We have some clarity on some of the things that we can and can't do. So we want to make sure that we follow a really tight rope that day, um, reporting what we can, obviously, but staying away from anything that would cause any issues. We don't want anyone to say that on that day, they're going to have to redo the entire election because of CMR <laughs> meddling or messing things up. So we're going to be, I know, right? They would love to be able to say that. We're going to run a very, very tight ship uh, we have a number of guests that are slated to come onto the program. And I think many of you would know already the lineup. And now get ready for a full day of election coverage. 
including historical analysis, candidate bios, polling station coverage, and much more. Eight commentators covering over 50 years. Audience participation makes it your most interactive resource on Election Day. Don't miss it. All right, good folks. We have definitely got you covered. And I must say that tomorrow we have a bit of an exclusive. We may have, I'm waiting confirmation, a bit of a political exclusive announcement. I'm just waiting on final confirmation, but you guys definitely do not um, wish to miss tomorrow's show for sure. So tomorrow is Friday. I mean, I can't even believe how quickly the time has gone. Uh, when the government, you know, sped up the election process, of course, I was like, that's not enough time. Um, and it has proven to um, put everyone on short notice in terms of what they needed to do. But big shout out to the Cayman Islands Chamber of Commerce. I think that they have done a wonderful job with the forums, uh, making those available every single evening. So Monday was the last forum date. Uh, there have been some people, by the way, who did not attend the forum. And I do want to talk about this. I'll address this later on. Um, but there's been some, you know, persons who didn't attend. And one of the, the things that an individual said to me, oh, well, this certain individual didn't attend. And he contacted the chamber about asking to have the um, date changed to accommodate because he had some conflicting event. And what I can tell you is uh, we have spoken to the chamber and they have said that they released all of their invites to all candidates on the 1st and 2nd of March um, so that they had the dates well in advance of their scheduling. And candidates who decided not to accept their invite due, conf due to a conflicting um, schedule of a public meeting, including Osborne Bodden, McKeeva Bush, Moses Kirkernel, Juliana O'Connor Connolly, Frank Cornwall, and David White. However, uh, there was no candidate who asked them to change or reschedule dates due to meeting conflicts. So apparently David White um, had informed some persons that he had actually requested them to change it and the chamber refused. I found that, I found it very, very strange when I heard it at the time um, that he received the schedule and he asked the chamber to change his date, but they refused to do so. This is what someone said to me. And so I've reached out to the chamber and I'm happy to tell you that that isn't the case. So I don't know where that storyline came from, um, but David did not ask them to change it and no other candidate for that matter asked them to change the dates to accommodate them. Nonetheless, the debates were very, very successful. A lot of you tuned in. I think you enjoyed the interact. It's, it's so interesting that we have sort of migrated from you physically have to go to debate or you sit in there to watch it on TV. The benefit of having it available on social media is the level of interaction. So, you know, if you're at a, at the physical debate, there's only so much you can say, <laughs> you know, you just have to sit um, properly and listen. If you are watching it on TV, yes, you can take out your popcorn and I guess you can argue with other family members or the, the family dog or whoever's there with you. But um, to have interaction with other people on social media is something that now having it on this platform really allowed to happen this particular election cycle. And can I tell you that you guys were really here for it? I mean, the comments at times um, when I go back and I view the chamber video numbers were amazing, like two, three, 400 comments uh, for a particular chamber debate. And so 
we have it on, we have all of them on the Facebook page or in the YouTube channel. And of course we do put them into categories. We'll arrange them into categories for you so that it's a lot easier for you to um, find them and watch. You can go back and watch them, which is again, perfect because had you had them on traditional TV, you would have seen it and you have to go off and memory what someone said. Now, if there's any question about what someone said, um, you can certainly go back to that and have a look for yourselves. So someone mentioned earlier about a video um, that was up of um, Raul Nicholson Co. We did share a video last night that was sent to us. It was not sent to us for point of clarity. It was not sent to us by Mr. Co. It was actually sent by multiple other persons. And as you guys are well aware, uh, we keep our ears to the ground in terms of what is happening on social media. So we always um, share what's trending and what's going on, right? To keep everybody else in the loop because some of you don't get those trending videos until we do post it up. Um, so Raul didn't, didn't share the video. And as a matter of fact, I do have the video here and for the benefit so that this makes sense because otherwise you'd be sitting here thinking, what is Sandy talking about? I don't know what any of this means. I'm actually going to share it and then I'm gonna explain why it's no longer on the Facebook page because we're all about transparency here, folks. So this is the video. So allow me to pull this up um, for your benefit for those of you who have not seen it. While we're waiting on that to queue up, here's a, mother, a message, my apologies, from Heather Bodden. The Savannah community is near and dear to my heart. I have lived in Savannah and Newlands all my life. I have always made it my mission to look out for those in our society who may not always have a voice. I have served as chairperson for the Savannah and Newlands Community Development Action Committee for the past 29 years. Working within Savannah Newlands, I have organized beautification projects, senior citizens events, neighborhood watch programs, and a host of children's activities. I love this community and I love my country. This is what we mean by community creates country. By working within our communities, we make our country better. I hope to be able to continue my community work on a national level, representing each and every one of you. Okay, folks, so here's the video in question. We have to keep our society at a level whereby we consider it the right, the right place to live. And the example that we set for others has to be in line with that. Uh, Mr. Ebanks, same question. Yeah, I, I would echo those, those sentiments. To make sure that the next generation of Caymanians are not disenfranchised and then become disillusioned by what we've seen here, which is development, but we're not getting an equitable share of the development. 30 seconds, Mr. Evans. No, I, I would echo again. We have to reintegrate the schools. We have to put the schools back to how they were 25 years ago when we had kids from all over the world operating and studying together because that raised the barrier and the level of Caymanian kids so that they can compete effectively in the real world. Mr. Ebanks, same question. Yeah, I agree. Understand there may be implementation issues with reintegrating the schools. We have to start someplace. So let's start Time. with one of the smaller schools and let's get that done and then we can move forward. Do you need another 30? Totally agree. Because the cost of healthcare, as you can well imagine, will continue to 
to increase if we don't find innovative ways to fix it. And by reducing our cost of actually delivering the service, we'll be able to deal with more emergencies and be able to treat stuff before it becomes an emergency. Mr. Ebanks, would you like a rebuttal? No, no, I, I wholeheartedly agree. And that I will always be involved. I'll be a champion of mental health issues in Cayman. And Mr. Ebanks, same question. Similar comments. The use of CBD oil and other things is something we do it this dispense now. <clears throat> we just have to make sure that as a society it's more and more exciting. Mr. Ebanks, same question. No, I, I, I would agree. So that was a video that was put together. I do not know who put the video together. Um, if it was, you know, actually Mr. Raul and his team or someone else, because there are a lot of people who have a lot of time to put these um, videos together. And it doesn't necessarily have to um, come from the candidates themselves. But uh, we posted it up. Like I said, it started to trend yesterday. I had a number of messages having pretty much all day spent dealing with the Cuban situation. I came back to a slew of messages. And this was one of the videos that I had received constantly um, at different points throughout the afternoon. This morning, Mr. Nicholson um, sent us a link. He said if we could remove the video and instead share a link from Cayman Crosstalk of the entire interview so that people could watch the interview for themselves because there'd been some criticisms in the comment section of that video that, oh, this isn't accurate. This has been doctored in some way. And he has basically said, have them go back and look at the entire show. And I was a bit confused. I said, are you saying that it is accurate or it isn't accurate? He said, it's completely accurate, but he'd prefer for people to see the original video so that they can actually view it and confirm for themselves how many times uh, Mr. Andre Ebanks, who is his opponent in the West Bay South um, constituency, would have agreed with him, right? Now, um, unfortunately for Raul, we don't share our competitors' links and videos, but you can certainly go and cream and crosstalk, and I'm sure find that easy enough. Uh, and that's basically what we said to him. We'll, we're happy to take it down. However, um, we won't be sharing Cayman Crosstalk's link, but people can certainly go on their platform and have a look for themselves. Um, you know, it is it is what it is. I think that sometimes. Um, you know, when you're doing a debate or when you're doing a forum, uh, like what the chamber has presented, there are times when your opponent goes first and they've said it and you're thinking, okay, well, there's not much that you can add to that. How many actual times that happened? Did that happen as many times as it appeared to have happened in that video? I don't know. You know, people get very creative with how they put these videos together and how they will pick out segments. Um, I think that anyone who's participated in debate, however, um, this is where I know that some of our candidates and some of our people are a little bit green because one of the things that you never do in a debate is actually agree with your opponent, even if you agree with your opponent. <laughs> you know what I mean? You find another way of um, sharing, like if your opponent said everything that you would have said, you just reword it and you find another way of taking ownership of that and making it your own. You don't use phrases like, yes, I agree with him, or yes, he's absolutely correct, and blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's it's like, you know, when you watch top-notch lawyers in the U.S., um, litigation attorneys, there are tactics that they use and how they approach um, their opening and closing statements, how they, you know, for example, um, if you're on a prosecution team, one of the things you never want to do, actually, is humanize your um, the defendant. So you don't tend to refer to them 
by name. You're going to say the defendant because you want the jury to say, have that extra layer of separation between them and the defendant. Because if you humanize them and, oh, this person's a mother, they're this or that, that could play a factor in how the verdict, what the final verdict will be. So there are strategic things that people can and can't do with public speaking, presentations, and all that sort of thing that I think a lot of our people may just not know. They may not have been exposed to it. Um, and again, even positioning of one's body um, at debates and, you know, intonation of voices. I mean, there's a whole field of uh, study when it comes to these sorts of things and how to be effective speakers, how to be effective in debates and so on, that a lot of people um, may not, you know, fully know and get. And this is where we need to step up our game. Like I said on Monday, when um, MP from Bermuda, Mr. Thomas wrote his piece over the weekend about this is great that we're doing these debate forums. The other thing that it highlights to me is that we are on an international platform. Anyone can go on YouTube, anyone can go on Facebook and see these videos. And that is why it's an embarrassment to me when the premier, who's supposed to be an educated man, who's supposed to be an attorney, will actually get up and say, support Vincent Frederick, and then I see something like this. And the citizens like you that go wisely to the polls to make one of the hardest choices each and every four years. This time, based on what the other options are, it should be fairly easy. And it will be wise to vote for the Alliance members to ensure that continued health protocols are left in place and not just thrown through the side by those that are seeking office, the wolves in sheep's clothing. We are very well off as a financial jurisdiction and we need to ensure that the many Caymanians who are suffering are looked into and addressed by this administration. It is your collective and moral conscience that decides who your next member of parliament is going to be. That candidate must be willing to work with the government if he or she wants things done for you and your family in the constituencies that you come from. If they clearly cannot do that, ladies and gentlemen, they clearly do not have you at heart. I'm sorry, but if you clearly cannot speak and even pronounce words like constituencies and willing, it's not willing, it's willing, and it's not vote, it's vote. I mean, you know, we need to have some standards here, folks. And so as basically Wayne Panton said earlier, the progressives is willing to throw anything together out of an act of desperation in order to get numbers to say, okay, we've at least got 11 people if you get us in. These are the 11 people that will work together as a team to represent the people of the Cayman Islands. I mean, let's be quite frank. I'm disappointed in people like Alden McLaughlin. I'm disappointed in Austin Harris, who were intelligent individuals. I'm disappointed in Mr. Roy McTaggart, who was um, the MD, I think was the title for you know an organization such as um, KPMG. There's no way in a million years that he would hire someone like Vincent and his organization to have him represent and be the face of the organization and get up on platforms and speak to the people. So why should we, the voters, settle? Why should we, the voters, think that um, these people are good enough? 
you know, it's insulting to me. And I think all of the good, sensible people in this country, in this community should likewise be insulted. And we have to find better options. I am so sorry, but um, telling me to vote for a Frank Cornwall just because he's going to be nodding his head with everything that Alden proposes is not a win winnable trait for me. That just doesn't make any sense. So there he is, right? Projecting and saying, yes, you vote for Frank and a vote for Frank is a vote for this team. And that's all that we care about is putting uh, a team together. Forget who's qualified, who's not qualified, keep the team together and everything is going to work out. Folks, you are only as strong as your weakest link. It doesn't matter whether you're a family, your community, your MPs, you're only as strong as your weakest link. And if your weakest link, let's be very, very clear, is this, you got a problem. This is your strength. You're only as strong as your weakest link. If your weakest link is this, people who get on a platform and who appear intoxicated, and then afterwards you hear people say, yeah, he was intoxicated. Really? And we must accept that? Like somehow that's okay? Not for me. And I hope that the good, sensible people of this country will recognize that on April the 14th, you get one vote. That's it. There's no more three or four votes, depending on what district you're in. You get one vote. And you have to make your one vote count. So they can't roll up on my door and talk to me about, oh, we're going to give you $100, $500, or even $5,000 to vote for us. Because that's not going to matter to me in a year and a year and a half when I am having issues with my businesses, when I'm being you know, overtaxed, underrepresented, when we look like a bunch of fools on the international front, when we're blacklisted, when you know all of these things happen that will impact all of us, when there's no real pandemic recovery plan, when we're not retooling our tourism workers to be able to go out there in other sectors and be able to hold and apply for and obtain jobs, to me, nothing else will matter. No amount of money in the world that you could possibly hand to me personally will make a difference. So we get one vote, and I think you need to give that one vote to people who are qualified for the job, who are compassionate, who also have the, the best interests of this country at heart. Because having all the degrees in the world is fine, and there's a lot of educated people out there. We were actually having this discussion yesterday at, um, at um, oh, where were we hanging out all day yesterday? Um, there in South Sound at... Anne Briggs, help me out here, Anne. Um, you guys know my daughter calls it the Pink Hotel because she always wants to go to the Pink Hotel. Um, but you know, none of, none of that will matter. And big shout out to Mr. Adrian Briggs as well. Uh, we did spend much of the afternoon there watching the ship and the progress with the Cuban um, nationals. But um, you know, to me, we were having this discussion. Education is is one of the criteria, but education isn't everything. So there are a lot of people who have degrees who are well educated but they don't really care. Thank you, Ms. Vallis, Sunset House. Um, they don't care about the country. You know, they're all for themselves. They're going to go in there. They're going to money grab. They are going to see what side contracts they can get and what they can accomplish in terms of 
um, me, 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 right? And they're doing all of this. I told you about a former politician who has allegedly a contract for $22,000 a month with the DOT organization as a consultant. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. I, I wish we could all go out there and demand contracts from DART for $22,000 a month. That would be fantastic. However, the backstory there is that if this particular um, political gathering, the progressives, doesn't get back in, this man will definitely lose his contract because he only has the contract with DART because he has access to the government and he can advocate on behalf of DART to get things done. All these backhand deals are not something that is going to benefit the people of the Cayman Islands. We need individuals who are going to scrutinize every single transaction, who are going to scrutinize every single deal, and are not turning a blind eye simply because they are getting their own pockets lined. So uh, that's a problem. So again, you get one vote, folks. We literally have less than a week. It's next week, Wednesday, April the 14th. Make your one vote count. I am in Baden Town, Chris Saunders at District. Again, folks, visit our sister platform, kmandecides.com. There's a lot of information there for you about the candidates and about the different districts. We have an interactive map. And on the day, on election day, um, that map will go live in terms of updating the numbers. And of course, we will be here on this program doing this as well. So Bodentown West is my constituency. I've moved out of Newlands. I was in Newlands last time. And I will tell you without a doubt that my vote is solid for Chris Saunders. I could not in a million years vote for Vincent Fredericks. And I don't care what Vincent and others want to say about Chris. Oh, he has a Jamaican accent. Why couldn't he find a Caymanian wife? And this, to me, that's some of the most ridiculous arguments. Let's talk about policies. Let's talk about what you'd be bringing to um, the country and the community. Don't worry about who Chris is married to. He's not married to you, so I wouldn't really worry about it, right? He treats his wife well from all that I've seen. She seems to be happy with them. They've been together for over 20-something years. That's their business. And the irony of it is when you want to talk about, well, who Chris is, who's Chris married to? Why couldn't he find a Caymanian? You know, then you get me looking at you sideways going, um, the police was just at your house the other day, son, because you're assaulting and beating up sisters and nieces. Like, don't talk about people's personal lives when yours is no shining situation. Let's stay focused on the issues. Right. Don't come with your smear campaign, because I think the candidates have done, especially the independent candidates, they've done an excellent job of um, keeping it very, very clean. And I encourage them to do so into the last week, despite rumors, heavy rumors on the ground that the progressives intend to turn it up a notch. The only reason they would have to turn it up a notch and act the fool like a McKeever Bush is because they're they're afraid. So he's getting afraid of, I guess, Mario the fact that Mario is actually um, a serious contender. And that's why he's attacking Troy Leacock and he's attacking Miss Velma and all these other people that he sees as individuals who are supporting Mario and supporting the policies and positions that Mario stands for. Supporting integrity and bringing integrity back into West Bay West. Wouldn't that be wonderful to have a representative who could go an entire four years without a scandal? <laughs> I mean, West Bay. Wouldn't that be nice? As a country, we would love that. No more ass grabs. No more punching a woman in the face. No more pulling her hair. 
you know, no more failed institutions, no more getting arrested as an MP. It's like every single four years, this dude has had an issue, especially when he's in a leadership position. It's one of the fallouts of being a narcissist, you know, and just not being able to keep your, your shit together, to be quite frank. Wouldn't it be nice if we could, you know, stay off of that stage for the next four years into the foreseeable future where people actually ex um, respect our leaders and they're not saying that our leaders are stupid. And during COVID, they're sitting there telling donkey stories and quoting the Bible, but they don't know anything about the actual pandemic itself. Like, wouldn't that be wonderful to have that actually representing our country and running the country? Anyway, folks, my one vote, Chris, he came by my house. Someone was saying to me, like, oh, Chris hasn't come by people. I'm like, are you kidding me? I see Chris so many times doing his neighborhood walks and handing out this and that. And he does his Christmas, you know, runs his um, new year. And I'm like, Chris, don't come back to my yard. Okay. I'm not one of those people that actually need to see you like that. I don't need a fruitcake. Um, calling me during the pandemic. Stop, I, I'm going to come by. Do you need a mask? Uh, nope, nope, nope. And nope. I'm good. Other people may need help and other people may need a mask. I know a lot of people just appreciate that people even ask that their MPs ask if they need help. So a lot of you love people coming to your door. I'm not one of those people. And by the way, I did see from my security cameras that Vincent visited us this weekend. We were not home on the holiday Monday. We we're actually at the beach. But Mr. Vincent, that was probably a good thing because I don't even know what I would have said to you, son. I would have been like, keep on moving. Honestly, don't give me your flyer. I don't want it. I'm not voting for you. It is what it is. Everybody has a choice. And I hope that we really make some sensible choices come April the 14th. Um, but let's not engage in rhetoric that isn't accurate. So when I said to this person last night, I could name out all the times in the past four years that Chris has come all of the, um, every year, all of the, the school bags that he puts together by the hundreds for all of the children in the community, you know, giving out scholarships to kids. And I said, when I hear foolishness like that, I know that that is coming um, from Vincent's camp, from people who just are ignorant and they don't even know, right? But don't spread false information on candidates when it is number one false. And it's just trying to get people to make uh, an ill-informed decision. He has been working, Chris has been working in the community and he's also been working in the legislative assembly. He has been you know, debating things that make sense on behalf of the people. He sits on the public accounts committee and he makes meaningful contributions through that um, committee as well. So be sensible when you vote. Look at the candidates, what they bring to the table, setting aside all of the personal messes that happen. Uh, look at the individuals. How can they represent this country? You never know with Cayman elections who's going to get a ministerial position. So in my mind, when you vote for an individual, you have to go in there with the expectation that this person could be a minister. You don't know. Because when the government is formed and the negotiations begin, anyone theoretically could be premier and anyone could be a minister by the time they flush it all out. So having said that, why am I going to vote for a Frank Cornwall? He can't be minister of nothing. I like Barbara, but she also cannot be a minister of anything. David White, nope, can't be minister of anything. Frederick, 
nope, can't be minister of anything. Now, there's only seven ministerial positions. Supposedly an eighth might be coming online. So not everyone will become a minister, but look at Bodentown uh, East with Dwayne Seymour. Should Dwayne Seymour be a minister? Hmm. No, is a simple answer. He's not qualified. And yet he became a minister and he became a minister during a worldwide pandemic that nobody could have foresaw or foreseen at the time. And this is again, you know, you give someone a ministry, oh, they can handle this. This is an easy ministry. You know, um, his uh, chief officer, Jennifer Ahern, she's great. She'll handle everything. He ends up getting rid of her. Um, you know, she'll handle everything. He doesn't have to do much. He hardly shows up to the office. Yeah, it's, it's going to be good. And then boom, COVID hits. And then your boy is spotlighted every single day during uh, press briefings. And you know what was happening? Premier speaks. It's more or less, yeah, okay. Following the medical advice, doing what the experts are telling, following the UK plan. The governor speaks. Yeah, yeah, we like the governor. Dwayne speaks. Everybody starts turning off. Bloop, 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 logging off. I would sit there and literally watch the numbers. And every single time Dwayne Seymour would start speaking, I will not tell a word of lie on the man. My numbers, my viewing numbers of people live streaming would drop significantly. Nobody wanted to hear him. He brought nothing to the table. And I thought to myself, wow. And then when the premier had to defend, oh, he's doing a great job. He's showing up. And I said, yes, honey child. That's all it takes for the progressives. You just show up and you're a winner. Uh, I'm a mom and I'm not going to be one of those mothers that's going to tell my daughter, oh, you just show up and that's enough. Because that is setting the bar too straight. You need to do more than show up. You need to perform. Yes, showing up counts because you can't perform, certainly if you're not there. But that's not all there is to this. And so I'm asking all of you to really raise the bar um, for our elected officials, for the candidates out there. Um, pick sense out of nonsense, as good old-fashioned Caymanians would say. There's some candidates who sounded good, but they had no substance either. So it's not just about sounding good. It's about listening, really listening to what the candidates are proposing and what substance they bring to the table. Thank you so much, Miss Mary Rankin. She's here weighing in on the situation with the Cubans. Miss Karen um, Rose, I think, has had a few um, comments to make. By the way, Rose um, says that Javier did have a job in Cayman. Plus, there are always people who help Cubans go on their way. Um, I will say, and thank you, Anastasia, for reminding us of what the position is legally. But someone did mention, and I'm trying to remember who the heck that was now. I think it came in on, uh, I think it came in on WhatsApp. But someone was saying to me yesterday that Javier had a job, but he actually was working at, hold on now, let me get the story straight because I don't want to tell you guys any misinformation. But I believe that he was working at Kirk's um, and he had a job, but he left the job for whatever reason. And they just find that, you know, he's probably going to be a difficult 
person to hire. I'm trying to see where that message is. Somebody did send me this message and I thought it was very, very interesting because I don't know these people. I don't know anything about Javier, Eric or anybody else, but they said, you know, he, he left his job. And then um, I think after he left it, the pandemic would have then hit shortly after that or something. But yes, at some point he actually did have a job. I don't know what the job was. Um, I'll have to see if I can find that message or if you're listening to the program, send it to me again. Sometimes I get so many messages, I honestly like cannot remember who said what and whatever. Um, so, uh, yes, I think that's it. I think that's all I've got for you. All right, folks. Um, Kendra, I'm not sure what Kendra is sharing, but Kendra... We don't encourage spamming here on the program. So I don't know what that is, but you're probably going to get blocked. So someone said he used to work at Kirk Home Center. Yeah, someone sent me some message about it. I'll try to find the message again. Um, Karen says anyone that thinks the world owes them a living or entitled will be difficult to deal with. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, none of us get that kind of a pass, not even as Caymanians. So it is what it is, my good people. Oh, Kendra says it's okay. Well, yeah, Kendra, you can't send a message like 12 times and not put any text with it and think that we don't think you're spamming us. So now that you've clarified yourself, you might not get blocked. She said it's a live feed on the boat. Are they live again? How are they live when they've had their when they have had their connection cut this morning? Anyway, I suspect that there will be an extraction exercise underway today, folks. Um let me just pull up Kendra's link. No, these are these are recorded. These are old links. So this isn't live, live like now. So yes, yeah, so we've seen most of those from yesterday. Um, I do believe, folks, that they will extract them from the boat today. The baby's off of the boat. And um, the mother is also um, off of the boat, Erica. There is one other female on the boat. But I think at this point, the government's position is going to have to be, you get one more chance to get off of this boat. The Panamanians have lost hundreds of thousands of dollars and they need to be on their way, which is a bill that we'll probably have to end up footing, I can imagine. Um, and if you do not come off of this boat, then we will we will take force to extract you. And I, I think that that will happen today. And uh, they're already in a closed room, so it wouldn't be much to pump some tear gas into that room or whatever um, to take them out. Uh, very easily and hopefully in a safe manner. And I want to stress again that nobody wants that to happen. Uh, we have hardworking RCIPS officers, part of the Marine unit. We have hardworking, um, you know, CBC officers and stuff as well that are putting their lives at risk dealing with situations like this. And it's unfortunate that we have found ourselves um, in this predicament. And the sooner we end it, probably the better off for all parties involved. Um, you know, they've made their position very clear. They're making demands of a ship captain that he cannot fulfill. And so the owner of the boat has said, absolutely not. We will not be traveling with these guys. They just need to come off of our ship. And so you need to come off of their ship. That's as simple as that. Anyway, folks, um, election news, election coverage coming up. Stay tuned. On Monday, we're going to do an interview with Mr. Wesley Howell over at the elections office. He's going to give you all of the news, what time the um, the polls open, what time they close, what you can and can't do during the day, what the polling station rules are. We want to make sure that everyone is well aware of how it works. 
We all have rules in life that we got to follow, folks, no matter who you are. So I wish you um, a wonderful, wonderful day. Thank you so much for logging into the program. I see a lot of you have hung in there with us. Still 196 people. It just went up to 200 uh, people tuned into the program. Um, DJ uh, Master DJ Mix says, it's a simple fix. Storm them. Uh, what is all the holdup? And I, I think they're just trying to give them every possible opportunity. That's all I can tell you. So that people cannot then turn around and say that we have done this as a country prematurely. But I think their time is, is running short. Good people. Um, that's all I've got for you. We will see you guys again tomorrow morning. Anything breaking with the Cubans, hopefully I'll be able to bring you that information throughout the day as well. There's three major things that has to be addressed in the Cayman Islands. Cost of living, diversifying the economy, and self-sufficiency. And when I talk about self-sufficiency, I'm talking about our ability, our capacity to be able to take care of ourselves. Let's focus on agriculture, where all of us want to make sure that we're hoping for the best. We always have to be prepared for the worst, the worst case scenario. Just imagine for a second if a hurricane was to come and sit between here and Florida just like Hurricane Mitch did in 1998 in Honduras. What would happen? I would bet you the shelves would be empty or at the minimum very much depleted. That in itself should be able to identify to us that there is a major problem in terms of our capacity to feed ourselves here in the Cayman Islands. We have to solve that problem. And that's why if and when elected, I'm going to head out east and see if we can free up a lot of this locked land, open it up, for opportunities for agriculture as well as other types of development. And when it comes to farming, whether it be livestock or plant life, I believe we can look beyond the borders of the Cayman Islands. What's preventing us from going to countries like Jamaica or to Honduras and actually owning or buying farms that are already functioning and operating and even exporting to other countries, making it Cayman Islands property? I believe that that's absolutely possible. In addition to that, creating opportunities for our local investors to be able to invest into those companies and other persons through their pension accounts as well. To me, the opportunities are tremendous and that's my vision. Miracle Brokers International is Cayman's premier source for all your packing, moving, and logistics needs. Whether it's moving a baby grand piano for a concert or moving halfway around the world, we have you covered with our team of local and international experts. MBI has over 30 years of industry experience and are able to get the job done for you right the first time. Contact us today for all your packing, moving, shipping, and logistics needs at 949-5989 or email info at miraclebrokers.com. My name is Bemo Ross. I've been in this area for 40 odd years. I 
they would have called me in the past, the governor of Windsor Park, so I know everybody. So it's my greatest pleasure today to endorse Mr. Alwick Lindsay for our next representative in Parliament and for the Cayman Islands. When you go to make your ex on the 14th of April, remember a person will be there that will be looking out for you. Your vote count. That ex you make against Mr. Lindsay's name will definitely help this island. And for my last say, don't forget, he is a hard-working person, very truthful and honest, not telling anybody anything that he can't do. He will tell you, I will try and I will do my best. And I get hold of him, he will do it. So thanks again for listening. Make your ex, put it the right way. Mr. Albert Lindsay is the person for this island. In our canvassing, we're finding an alarming number of older persons and retirees who cannot access or afford health insurance. This is another serious quality of life issue. Cynico is overwhelmed because it has become the dumping ground for everyone who cannot be covered by insurance elsewhere. As a result, it has to be heavily subsidized by the government. In my opinion, we need to move to a system of national insurance and spread the risk among more people so that our most at-risk folk can be given adequate care in their golden years. Many of these people have worked for government and contributed greatly to this country over the course of their lives. Now, as they retire with meager pensions or none at all, they have to suffer indignities along with inadequate health care and they cannot access the medicines and preventative care that they need. This is a dire situation and one that concerns me greatly as the former minister who spearheaded the introduction of the older person's policy and also led the Ministry of Community Affairs. Our older persons need us and they need proper care. It is time for government to have a serious discussion with our current health insurance providers and find a solution to this national crisis. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of The Cold Hard Truth. Make sure to check Facebook for showtimes and more information and the latest news at CaymanMarlRoad.com. Subscribe to our IG and Facebook pages to get the latest happenings. 